Hello and welcome again to the Grave Plot Podcast, your one-stop spot for all things horror. I am Skeleton. And I am Taylor of Terror. How'd you like my little uh, slogan there? It's nice. Yeah. It makes me think, uh, shop smart, shop smart. Mm-hmm. I was worried it might be a little too generic, but... Fuck it. Fuck it. Um, so, it's Saturday morning. We're recording this fairly earlier than usual. Had a busy day ahead of me. It's this is the day after Valentine's Day, and this is when I, my fiance and I usually celebrate afterwards, just because it's easier to get a table at a nice restaurant. <laughs> you guys, yeah, uh, we we just stayed in and had uh, Thai food, watched The World's End. Sounds good. Yeah, it was good times. Yeah, we've kind of gotten this habit of, um, like, we'll do just something small on Valentine's Day itself. And then, depending on where it falls in the week, we'll probably do something like we'll actually do Valentine's Day the following weekend. Just because, like I said, it's easier to get a table somewhere. And, you know, that's the night we go out and do something nice. Because I don't know if you've ever been to a nice restaurant on Valentine's Day. Um, I usually try to avoid that. Yeah, it, I, I do too now. I've, I've learned the hard way. I mean... It, it's so much more expensive. You get like three things on the menu you can pick from because they got their special Valentine's Day menu. Sure, yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's it's just nicer because it's less crowded. You get to pick from the full menu, and it's usually less expensive. So there's a little tip for you guys out there trying to <laughs> if you, if you can talk your girlfriend or wife or whoever into it, do it after Valentine's Day, and or, just say it. You know, give your reasoning. Maybe you're dating a practical girl. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, we've got a nice little show ahead for you. We've got, you know, usual dose of uh, horror business, and then we've got uh, two movie reviews that you guys picked. It's our this is our listeners' choice episode. Yeah, uh, theoretically, we probably should have reviewed like Valentine's Day Massacre and My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, but instead, our Valentine's gift to you is letting you pick the movies. Right. I mean, I guess we didn't really take that into consideration. I mean, this is our this is our tenth episode. This is episode X. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, this is kind of a big deal. We made it. Where does that put us? Like five months, roughly. Yeah. Yeah. So October, doing November, December, January, February. Yeah. Yeah, we've been doing this a while now. So uh, it's kind of like a little anniversary for us, and uh, decided to celebrate. Happy anniversary, Tony. Happy anniversary, Taylor. Thanks, babe. <laughs> um. So yeah, we decided to let you guys. Celebrate with us and pick your own movie. So this time we decided on you guys. You guys decided on Wrong Turn and the Video Dead, which actually came in a tie with RSVP. But we went to uh, we call it the Oracle <laughs> uh, to do a tiebreaker, and we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, and then on top of that, we've also got a, an interview with uh, Rob Bukta, who is the uh, coordinator of the makeup competition at Crypticon Seattle, which is the the horror convention here in the Pacific Northwest region. Um, and that was that was a that was a fun interview. I it was. A, I had a lot of fun talking to him. Um, so uh, I guess without any further ado, let's jump into horror business.
So, it wouldn't be the Great Plot Podcast if we didn't talk about Kevin Smith. It's, it's become kind of a, a, a recurring theme. theme. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've discussed the movie Tusk several times. If you don't know what it's about, just go back and listen to old episodes, because I don't want to go into that again. Yeah. But the new news is that it's been picked up for worldwide distribution. Right. We discussed before it had been uh, picked up for national distribution by A24 Films. Mm-hmm. But now it's been picked up by SPWA for UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Latin America, Italy, Benelux, Scandinavia, Eastern Europe, South Africa, Portugal, Spain, and Greece. With additional territories still to be announced. Right. And just for clarification, SPWA is uh, Sony Pictures Worldwide uh, Acquisitions. There you go. Um, so, yeah, this is... I, I didn't expect a worldwide distributor so quickly. Especially one as big as Sony. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially when you've got such a like a domestic uh Distributor that's relatively small and not especially well known, like I said here domestically, uh, but then to have such a big one internationally, it seems weird. Yeah. Um, especially when the concept itself just seems so out there. And I mean, it's Kevin Smith, he's kind of the king of, um, you know, do it yourself movies. Yeah. Um, well, I guess maybe in his early years and now again in his later years. Uh, I think name recognition probably had a lot to do with it. It could be, yeah. I mean, was this? I mean, because I know that uh, Red State was not exactly um, crowds crowdfunded or crowdsourced. Is that the term? Yeah. Wow. Um, but I know he got he he had like hundreds of contributors to fund Red State, and then did he do the same thing on Tusk? I am not sure. Oh. Okay. Um, but I mean, like, Red State didn't get any kind of distribution. He had to take it on the road himself. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the podcast we, we've mentioned numerous times, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. It's a podcast hosted by Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Um, he, the older episodes, he discussed it a lot, just talking about being on the road, trying to, you know, pump it, pump the name and, um, really get it out there. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I, this, this is a pretty big deal, I think. Um, especially because he, you know, he used to be represented by, or not represented, but Miramax was kind of his go-to for a while. Yeah. And so to have another big name be his distributor, even internationally, that's, that's a big deal. So, uh, it sounds like a lot more people are going to get to see this movie than we originally thought. Right. Like, I wasn't even sure, you know, we would get it in a theater. Yeah. I mean, we, I guess we still don't know, like, what kind of release it's going to have. If it's just going to be, like, small movie house release. Or True. If, or if it's going to be, like, a, you know, a large distribution. Uh, especially because it is such a, like, a relatively small distributor. Uh, A24 and uh, Demrest. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see it. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> One way or another. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when this was, is it, I don't even remember if there's an, uh, a release date for this yet. I don't think I've heard one. Okay. Um, well, I mean, this is the Grave Plot Podcast and we will probably keep you up to date on this. That's what we do. Um, and as soon as we're here, it'll let you know about that too. This is it.
Okay, next up, uh, you guys may remember from a few episodes back, we interviewed uh, writer and director Eric England. He's he's done movies. Uh, he did um, Contracted and Madison County, uh, and he, he's working on a couple other films at the moment. Did um, you see on Facebook he was trying to get everyone to watch Contracted for Valentine's Day? <laughs> I didn't see that. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we did an interview with him a handful of episodes ago. Uh, really cool guy, really really down to earth. Yeah, you know, not something you expect from uh, a director, especially a young director, because it seems like at times they can be a little more full of themselves than. Well, yeah, ones. they kind of have this feeling of you know I did all this already. Mm-hmm. Imagine how big I can be. Right. Um, but yeah, he's only twenty five. Yeah, but yeah, really, real down to earth, real personable. Uh, yeah, I mean, talking to him was, it was just like having a chat with one of our buddies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just, yeah, so a really cool guy, but, uh, got news about him. He has recently signed with the Gersh Agency, which is a fairly big talent agency representing some, you know, some pretty well known names. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we've heard that they, they represent, uh, Dennis Haysbert. Pedro Serrano. Right, for Major League, or uh, he played President Palmer on 24. Or he's the uh, All-State guy. Right. Um, uh, Kira, uh, previously re- represented Kira Sedgwick, I believe I read. Um, Kristen, uh, Kristen Stewart, uh, James Woods. Um, these are all people that are or have been represented by the Gersh Agency at one point or another. Um they are a, a bi-coastal agency. So progressive. What? So progressive. <laughs> um, and they have several different divisions. I mean, they represent writers, directors, actors, comedians. Uh, so there's, they've got their hands in kind of every aspect of the entertainment industry. Um, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess they have uh, seven, seven departments, which is talent. Feature, literary, uh, TV literary, theater, comedy, below the line, and mo- uh, modeling agency, which is weird. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, I mean, like, modeling agencies are typically kind of one thing in their, on their own, I would right, think. Right, right. I mean, obviously, I'm not, I'm not in the business, so I wouldn't know for sure, but, um, so this is, this is a big deal for him. I, yeah. I, I would think. <laughs> Congratulations, Eric. Yeah, uh, yeah, good on you. Uh, I mean, this, someone that's coming from kind of a small time like him to get such major representation like this, it's, it's pretty stellar. So yeah, like I said, uh, congratulations and, and good work. Um, Eric, uh, he's currently working on a movie, uh, called Hellbent, which is about, uh, I believe it's a, a woman, a woman's husband gets trapped in a mine. Like he's he's a miner of one sort or another. He gets trapped in a mine, and she goes to. Is he Chilean? <laughs> I, I I think I might be a little too soon still. <laughs> um, she goes to rescue him, and suddenly finds there's like some kind of demonic entity in this mine or, or something to that effect. And then a movie called Sirens, which I'm not I'm not familiar with that at all. I saw, he just posted the other day, he was like, I just wrote the words, the end, on the sirens. What an amazing feeling, or something like that. Oh, okay. So he, he just so, finished that script. So Okay, so this is a movie he's actually written. Yeah. Okay, because I, I believe Hellbent isn't. 
Oh, really? I, I, I don't think so. Don't don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, so uh, good work, buddy. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Nothing needed our approval. <laughs> uh, all right, let's press on. So we've talked a couple times about Beetlejuice 2, um, various rumors and people talking about it, and uh, Michael Keaton has finally confirmed that he is in talks. He said, I've emailed Tim Burton a couple of times, talked to the writer a couple of times, but all really, really preliminary stuff until relatively recently. I always said that is one of the things I'd like to do again, if I ever did anything again, but it kind of required Tim to be involved some way or another. Now it looks like he is involved, and without giving too much away, we've talked to each other and emailed each other, and if he's in, I'm going. To, it's going to be hard not to be in. That's encouraging to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic news. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it, it seemed like up until this point that um, Burton was kind of the one that was still wavering a little bit. He's the only one we haven't heard from right. out of the, the big three. Yeah. We haven't heard I, from Winona Ryder. She basically said the same thing, that if, if Keaton and Burton are both in, then she's in. Right. Um, and I, I think I've said this before, but Tim Burton, he's just not a talker. He doesn't do a lot of media or yeah. you know, interviews of things of that nature. So um, I guess it's not out of the ordinary for him to have not said anything yet. Sure. Um, but like I said, this is really encouraging news because now we know that the star is in contact with the director and things are, the wheels are moving. I mean, this, this is probably going to happen. And the writer is the, uh, I can't remember his name now, but the guy who wrote Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, right? The Pride and Prejudice and Zombies guy. I think so. That sounds right. I can't remember his name now. Oh, well, anyway. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, I mean, an initial, like, my initial thoughts about this is like, can they really make another Beetlejuice? I mean, will it be worth seeing? Will it be as good as the original? Um, but I mean, I, I, I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be. My only, I think my only hang up is that Tim Burton hasn't done a live action movie in a while. That's true. Um, or no, that's not true. I guess he's he's done uh, Dark Shadows. Oh yeah, I forgot about Dark Shadows, which was kind of a bomb. Yeah. Did you see it? No. It wasn't awful, but I don't know that I'd watch it again. But and that that had a pretty stellar cast too. I mean Johnny Depp, who's <laughs> who's kind of Tim Burton's like go-to boy, but um, then had Michelle Pfeiffer, Chloe Grace Moritz, uh. Two other people who escape me at the moment, but I don't know. So it'll be nice to see this, but uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna kind of watch watch from the fence and see if this. Uh, I mean, if they didn't have those three in it, I, I would doom it to fail. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the fact that all three of those, I mean, assuming Burton does finally sign on, that. G- gives me high hopes. Yeah. 
I think I think the most important factor in this is Keaton. Yeah, because nobody else can play Beetlejuice. Exactly. Uh, it, it would be a travesty to attempt it. I mean, because they probably put something fucking stupid in it, like I don't know, Zach Galifianakis or Johnny Depp. <laughs> Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> or you know who was somebody I could see them trying to shoehorn into it? Ed Helms. Yeah. Or James Franco. Oh, God. I don't know why, but that just popped into my head. Oh, that'd be so awful. <laughs> um, so, uh, this is good news. Yeah. But, uh, like I said, I'm going to... It's still early. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how this progresses. And we, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you guys informed to anything else that comes about. I mean, as we always have. But uh, keep listening. Stay tuned. Um, so, a lot of you may be familiar with, uh, the Stephen King book, It. And fucking better be. I, I hope so. <laughs> and if not the book itself, at least, well, a lot of people probably don't know. It was actually originally a TV movie, or like a miniseries, mm-hmm. um, starring Tim Curry, um, John Ritter. No. Seth Green. Seth Green, right, right about him. Uh. Uh, uh, Harry Thompson. Was Devin Sawa one of the kids too? I don't think so. Okay. Oh, you know who was? Um, uh, shit. The guy that was on Sequest, he hung himself in his closet. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Jonathan Brandis. Yeah, he was in it. He played. Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking of. He played like the main guy as a kid. You went with Sequest for Jonathan Brandis, not the what was the Chuck Norris S- sidekicks? Movie? Yeah. <laughs> Or, uh, That's the quintessential Jonathan Brandis movie right, right there. Or uh, Never Ending Story 2. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. With Jack it. Black. Jack Black. Yeah. He was in it? He was in Never Ending Story 2, yeah. As what? I don't fucking remember. Oh, fuck. I mean, he was, like, super young. Oh, he must have been, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, anyway. We're, they're working on a, a remake, which you, you guys may or may not have heard about that. It's It's kind of been... Kind of under the radar news for a while. Um, but it, it sounds like they're actually starting to kind of put this together. Um, the, the producer, Dan Lin, he told, uh, Collider that, uh, Carrie Fukunaga is writing and directing once he's done with his current project, which is kind of an indie movie. I don't really know anything about it. Um, personally, I mean, you, are you familiar with it at all? I, I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. Um, well, he, uh, Kerry Fukunaga, he has directed, uh, the new series True Detective on HBO. Um, I've never actually seen it. Saw the important part where Alexander Denario take off her top. That was the most important part. Um, never been so jealous of Woody Harrelson. Right? I just can't even talk about this. <laughs> Tommy's um, getting flustered. <laughs> you know, for a long time, Zoe Deschanel was my celebrity crush. Yeah. Then I saw pers- what you've moved on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still have a, I still have a place in my heart for Zoe. <laughs> but uh, then I saw Percy Percy Jackson and the versus the Lightning Thief. I think that's what it's called. Something like. And that. the Lightning Thief, something. And Alexandra Denario, she was 
something special. You were smitten. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Fukunaga has, he, he signed on back in November. Um, and I think things have just been kind of slow to progress since then. Hasn't been a whole lot of stuff to actually talk about, but sounds like, like I said, things are in motion now. Uh, once Fukunaga is freed up from his current project he's working on, he's, he's jumping right onto it. Um, and this is being, uh, produced by Warner Brothers. Um, and I, I guess the plan is to split, like, split the story into two movies. Which is well, the first one was, like, six hours long, wasn't it? Uh, four or six. I know, I know it came like on that. two VHS tapes. Yeah, I, I, I do remember that. Um, and it, I mean, it makes sense because if you're seeing the book, it, it, it's, it's like six inches thick. Yeah. Um, it's a huge book. It's like um, an encyclopedia. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anybody that's read a Stephen King book know that he is like the king of detail and he did not spare a single word when he was writing it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you, you, you watch the, 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 the miniseries or the movie did a, fairly good job of, like covering a lot of things in the book mm-hmm. uh given the time that they had um but you go you watch that and you read the book and certain scenes that just have so much more um description and and uh it, it's just it when you when you read it the the image becomes so much more vivid in your own mind than what, what you saw on the screen well i mean if they were to make the book into a movie, word for word, it would be like 12 hours long. Oh, totally. Um, I mean, I have to assume that each of these movies that they're planning, I don't, I don't know if it's gonna be kinda like, um, like a Harry Potter thing where they basically take the last story and split it into two and just call it like part one, part two. Um, or if it's gonna be like, kinda treat it like a sequel or something. Yeah. Because there are essentially two timelines. That's true. In, in it, I mean, there is. There's 1958 and 1985. Right. Um, and but but these they're they're interspersed in flashbacks. Oh, Harry Anderson was in that too. That's I said Harry Anderson, not not Harry Thompson. Or I said Harry Thompson, not. I meant Harry Anderson. Um, Mr. Nightcore himself. Yeah. He didn't do any close-up magic in it, though. Second, he didn't do any close-up magic. Close-up magic? He's he's really good at close-up magic. You didn't know that? Oh yeah, yeah. He he did like instructional videos and stuff, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. God, that's going way. That's going back. <laughs> Sorry, I'm old. <laughs> um, and it um. Oh shit! I lost my train of thought. Uh, Harry Anderson. No, before that. Oh. <laughs> um, you're talking about the length. Yeah. Uh, right. Oh, um, the, the two parts. Times. Oh, two times. Yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, like you said, 1958 and 1985. But the 1958 sections are interspersed throughout the story as flashbacks. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if maybe they'll just restructure that into two separate stories or if they'll keep it how it is i don't know i i read it was going to be current day but oh, i don't really? know if that means like instead of 85 it'll be current day and then there'll be flashbacks to the 80s right or if it's 
all current day and they're not doing flashbacks mm-hmm. or I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but that could be like kind of like um the Friday thirteenth remake where in the original the the first movie like took place back in the fifties but then jumped a current day when the first one came out was nineteen eighty. Yeah. So maybe they'll do something similar or and then in the remake it took like the opening scene when the camper kills Jason's mother, or, you know, Mrs. Voorhees, mm-hmm. um, it was back in 1980, and then it jumped forward to current day. Right. So maybe they'll do something similar to that. Possibly. Um, that's, that's a lot of ground to cover, though, in just an opening scene. Sure. But I'm not necessarily sync it up, or not, not, not really necessarily make, like, um, you just kind of sum it up quickly. I mean, rather than it being 1958, it's in 1985. And then it, the current day is 2015, 16, whatever it is. Right. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I believe there was a certain time frame. Like it was something like it had to be 30 years or, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like some kind of significant anniversary, I believe, in the movie, or uh, in the book even. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this is, I, I am a huge fan of it. I mean, it's easily my favorite Stephen King book. Um, and I love the movie. I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to top anyone but Tim Curry for Pennywise. Yeah. Because he just is Pennywise now. I mean, you read the book and it's, you know, you create a Pennywise in your mind. But then you see the old movie, and suddenly Pennywise, even if you already had this image in your head, I think Pennywise just becomes Tim Curry. Yeah. Because, honestly, I don't know how anybody can do it better. He just had it pegged. But, um, as with anything, this is something that we'll stay on top of and make sure we let you guys know anything that comes about. So a couple episodes ago, we told you about, uh, speaking of Stephen King, uh, the new movie Cell, which is based on one of his books, about uh, cell phones that basically turn people into zombie-like creatures. And uh, there's been some new cast members added. Uh, we already told you about um, Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack as the stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isabel Furman who is from Orphan and The Hunger Games, is going to be in it as um, John Cusack's neighbor. Mm-hmm. And Stacey Keach from American History X and Up in Smoke and The Christopher Titus Show. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to mention that. I hated that fucking show. This is show. the first thing that always comes to my mind with <laughs> Stacey Keach. That and his, his um, cameo on 30 Rock. Yeah. When he's on the couch commercials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be in it as the headmaster of a prep school. I don't, don't know how that's going to tie into the story. Uh, in the story, um, Clay and oh, um, Samuel L. Jackson's character, uh, his name escapes me at the moment, um, as they're traveling, they come across this prep school that's been 
you know, all but completely abandoned. There is the headmaster and like a group of students that's are kind of taking refuge in the school. Um, and they, they kind of take them in and, you know, feed them, um, give them a place to sleep. Oh, alright. So, uh, so it's kind of like Woodbury. A little bit. Uh, if I remember correctly though, uh, the headmaster is not a psychopath. So, <laughs> um, darn, cause I think Stacy Keach would be an awesome psychopath. Yeah. I mean, he played a pretty good, uh, neo-Nazi, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, and it, it's filming now. Right. Do we have a release date? I don't think so. Um, uh, I, I probably won't until they're done filming. Yeah. Once, once they get an idea how long, like, post-production is going to take. Right. And, uh, I imagine we'll probably hear something then. Um, I mean, I, I have to imagine that we'll probably see it sometime next year. I don't see them taking two years to film and, and edit. Yeah, I don't think there would be that much post-production work that would take that long. Right. I mean, knowing the story, I can't visualize a lot of like CGI or anything that would right. be necessary. Um, the thing I would think would take the most time is just creating this kind of post-apocalyptic world, basically. Um and just getting like hundreds and hundreds of extras. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I, those are the only like big obstacles I could see being in the production. Um, so yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, next, uh, you know, when I wanted to report on this, uh, it was it's kind of relatively new news. Um, it, time time has passed, and it may not necessarily be relevant anymore, um, but basically uh, what's going on is that there's a petition on change.org to deport Justin Bieber. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not this one? No. Um, apparently the, the original Psycho House on the Universal Backlot, it, it, it's basically seen better days. Um, and it, it's just, it's becoming really dilapidated, starting to fall apart. And so they're, I don't know if it's like a, like a group of supporters or, or like somebody that start, originally started the initiative or if it's just one person, um, but basically, they started a change.org petition to petition Universal Studios to just give some basic routine maintenance to this house. Um, I think the, or, the from change, change.org, the actual like kind of mission statement, essentially, says, It has been over a decade since the Hollywood legend last had a nip and tuck or a flesh slap, fresh slap of powder and paint and the old girl's starting to look her age. Visitors in the house today will see evidence of warped, rotting timber, gaping holes in the woodwork with large sections of missing planks of, of wood, decorative woodwork damaged, and some sections missing completely from around the porch, shingles rotten, damaged, and missing from the roof. All in all, it's not a pretty sight, and if something is not done soon to help us stop the decay, 
we feel it may pass a critical point of no return. Um, Did you just copy and paste this? Yes. It is littered with spelling errors. It is. Um, I tried to overlook that. <laughs> um, but uh, so the petition I'm looking at it right now, the petition it looks like it's it's met its original goal. I think. Um, but anybody that's voted, excuse me, voted on something on change.org, notice that the, the, the petition on, petitions on there, they are continual. They'll continue gathering votes even after they reach their goal. Um, so. What's it at right now? Uh, currently it's at 2,537 supporters. And what does it need for the White House to, like, be required to look at it? Is it 10,000? Yeah, I believe it's 10,000. This is this isn't on White House stuff. I thought change.org was the no change.org is something different. Oh, the the, the one you're thinking of is actually on the White House website. Oh, um, but as a fan of you know Hitchcock films and just horror cinema, um, this is a big deal. I mean, this is just just Hollywood icon. I mean, granted. I don't think it's actually, this house hasn't been used since probably they filmed the re- Psycho remake. Um, oh, they, they used the original house in the remake? As far as I know, yeah. So why couldn't they use the original house in Bates Motel? I don't know. It seems like that would have been a perfect opportunity to renovate it and just use the same house. I, I would think, um, but the only thing is, uh, obviously the original Bates Motel and house are there in Southern California, as opposed to Bates Motel, the show takes place in Oregon. So obviously two completely different settings. I mean, you've got this old dusty, um, desert looking area. Um, but where is it filmed? I don't know where it's filmed. I, I, if it's not filmed in Oregon, I can guarantee you it's filmed like Vancouver or something. Yeah. Um, Vancouver is pretty much the de facto Northwest. Yeah. It's uh, like, if, if you're film, if you're setting a movie in Seattle, you're going to film it in Vancouver, except for one scene with the Space Needle. Yeah. <laughs> Just stock footage. Yeah. You don't even go to Seattle. Uh, it's, it's funny being, you know, being a, you know, uh, not even necessarily a Seattleite. Like, I mean, you live in Seattle. I live just out of town, but even living in the area, you know, Seattle and you know, when they try to say something Seattle on TV, you know, it isn't. Yeah. Um, I'm sure people that live in any metropolitan area can do the same. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's people in London that see, you know, a movie where someone's driving on the California coast and saying it's England. Yeah. They're going, that's not bloody England. <laughs> or I know, uh, like the show Psych is, takes place in Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. but it's not Santa Barbara. <laughs> it's Vancouver. <laughs> or is it Vancouver or maybe Victoria? It's one of the two, but they have, Sort of similar coastlines, but it's like, you know, anybody, anybody that's spent even a little bit of time in Santa Barbara knows that it's not Santa Barbara. <laughs> anyway, back to the point here. Um, so this house, it, it, it's an American icon. Um, I mean, it's it sat on this back lot since the fifties and it, it's, it's so important that this stays, you know, in, in, in good condition, so it doesn't just collapse. You know? Yeah, and I'm 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 shocked that they the Universal has just let it go like this. 
I mean, especially if they're going to keep it on like their their backlot tour. You'd think they'd want That's it true. to That's true. Like, if you're not going to renovate it, then tear it down or something. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, of course, if they wanted to tear it down, that would be a whole a whole other petition. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure it'd have a lot more supporters, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I don't know. I, yeah, I, as of right now, that's kind of the direction it's going, though. Yeah, I mean... It's going to fall down on its own if, from, you know, the description mm-hmm. here in the petition. Yeah, and I mean, you can only salvage something for so long. Right. Especially when it's a set piece um, that, you know, just doesn't get use anymore. But, I don't know. I, I think even if the, the the guts of the house start to go to shit, I think you can at least try to maintain the outside. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, like, like someone like me, even though as long as I lived in California, I never went to, well, it's not true. I, I've been to Universal Studios, but I never went on, like, the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've never seen the Psycho House. I always, I, I want to, but I just, I think I've been once, but I was little, mm-hmm. little, little. The only thing I really remember is the King Kong part mm-hmm. and Jaws. Right. And Jaws pops out of the water. Yeah, it's the most romantic part. <laughs> um, so I, I just, I think if they really, if they let this house just collapse and, and go to shit, it's going to be a tragedy. It's going to be pitchfork and torch time. <laughs> yeah. People are storming the universal gates. Um, and I think it may be just because universals changed hands so many times. Like, you know, parent companies. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they, they were bought out by, uh, Comcast or something. Yeah, I think so. Or sorry, they were, I think they were bought out by GE. Shineheart Wig Company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, bought out by GE, and then I think they're bought out by Comcast after that. But so I, I I can maybe understand a lack of funding. But this is something you should put a little bit of priority on. I think I agree. It's, it's it, like I said, it's an it's an American icon. It's it's, it's an it's, institution. Yeah, it's a it's it's film history. Uh, I mean, there there are countless movies that wouldn't exist if it weren't for Psycho. And if you look at like any kind of homage or parody of a, a haunted house movie, it's always the Psycho House. Mm. Like take like Treehouse of Horror. When yeah, you spent the night in the haunted house. It's the Psycho House. Yeah, definitely. And it's, just, it's got that iconic look. And the, uh, I mean, so many, so many things from the, not not just the house itself, things from from the movie, which is maybe a little less important than the house itself. But, I mean, the shower scene. Of course. Um, just the, the kind of creepy, weird, Oedipal mm-hmm. relationship between Norman and his mother, that kind of thing. Um, that, that's, that's just become, uh, kind of a, a trope or, or, you know, a parody, uh, in a lot of films. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, it, we'll, we'll We'll post the link to this petition. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure you can go to change.org and just search Psycho House and you can find it. But for those of you that are a little lazy out there, we'll, we'll post the link on, on this post for this, for this podcast. So, uh, you can go ahead and vote for it and, you know, hopefully have your voice heard by Universal and, you know, save, save this American icon because th- this is important, guys. Well- 
there's a new trailer for a movie called Wolves, starring Lucas Till, uh, Stephen McHattie, and Jason Momoa. I don't know who any of those people are. Um, Lucas Till, he actually plays Havoc in the... He, he played it in um, uh, X-Men First Class and the Days, of, Days of Future Past. Okay, I haven't seen the Future Past one yet. That's It's not out yet. That would be why. There you go. But yeah, he plays... Lucas Till plays okay, Havoc. I thought he looked familiar. That's the main guy, right? In Wolves? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I thought he looked familiar. Yeah. Um, Stephen McCaddy, he, he played... Uh, the original Night Owl in, in Watchmen. An older, oh. older guy. And Jason Momoa, he is, uh, a real life werewolf. What? <laughs> just look at him, he looks like a fucking animal. <laughs> um, no, I mean, he, he, he played Conan. The, mo- the most recent Conan. Which... Um, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, I didn't say the Conan. <laughs> but no, the, the, the Conan, the, re- the Barbarian remake. Uh, he played Conan. Um, I think his first kind of claim to fame, I think he was on like Baywatch Hawaii or something like that. Um, anyway, he, he looks like a creep. Looks like even more creep in this. <laughs> um, that's the guy with the beard? Yeah, the, the kind of Samoan looking guy. Kind of reminds me of like Joe Mangiello in True Blood. A little bit, yeah. Just really big and hairy and Beastie, wolf-like. Yeah. yeah, that's why I made the joke and you ruined it. I, I thought you were being serious. I thought it was like a <laughs> like a furry thing or something. <laughs> I'm looking over my notes, going, "Wait, what? Where is this?" <laughs> uh, blah, blah, blah. The movie um, Till plays a high school student who witnesses the brutal murder of his parents and finds himself turning into a savage wolf. He is thrust between two warring wolf packs fighting for control of Lupine Ridge. Clever name. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is the first feature length movie for the director's David Hater. Um, Hater's gonna hate. <laughs> he wrote, uh, X-Men and X2. Like the, the original movies. Um, and Watchmen. So. So there's a theme. A little bit. Um, and it, interesting enough, he actually voices the, he does the voice of, um, Snake in all the Metal Gear, Metal, yeah, Metal Gear Solid games. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that was weird. Or I- interesting. Um, so yeah, like I said, this is gonna be his first feature length directing job. He's done, um, I think like a couple shorts. Before, but this is gonna be it's like his first big time gig. Um, the trailer looks a little Twilight to me. Yeah. Uh, it also uh, kind of seems like at least the first half is kind of like Teen Wolf. Yeah. The the movies, not the series. In oh. in the sense, well, because like when he's playing football, it just reminds me of like in Teen Wolf when he's playing basketball. Right. And he starts to get these powers before he really knows what's going on and he just all of a sudden is really good at this sport. Well doesn't he doesn't that happen in um the, the T V show too? I have no fucking idea what happens in the T V show. <laughs> I think he plays like lacrosse. <clears throat> yeah. Um 
I, yeah, I, I think he plays lacrosse, and I think kind of the same thing. Basically. The only good part about lacrosse is you get to hit people with sticks. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's hockey, but I mean, it, 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 it's it's hockey with nets. I mean, <laughs> I, I want to be a lacrosse goon. Lacrosse goon. <laughs> <laughs> I just go out there and start wailing on people. <laughs> just busted teeth and black just, like eyes. whacking them with in the arms with my stick. Just <laughs> get kicked out of the game on a regular basis. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, in this one, he's a football player, right. and all of a sudden, he starts tackling people, and they're like dying. Yeah, or like he in, in the trailer, it looks like he he's getting kind of teased by another player. Because, like, he gets knocked on his ass or something. Right. And this guy starts teasing him. And then he, so he gets a full cam chancellor on him. Yeah. Just, just plows him down. And I think it looks like he, like, jumps on top of him and starts beat, like, he beats punches, in his helmet. Punches, yeah. Punches a dent in his helmet. Yeah. Which doesn't happen because helmets aren't made of fucking metal. But, <laughs> um, and I don't know if the guy was dead. He was, he was bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, that part was very Teen Wolfish, and then the, the second half kind of made me think of like Mad Max. How so? Just like the, you know, he goes in between these two warring factions or whatever, and it just kind of reminded me of Thunderdome, just the way that it's like out in the desert, and uh-huh. you know, the guy's locked in a cage at one point, and right. Um. Yeah, I mean, I just I feel like I've seen this movie a thousand times. Yeah, it does seem kind of generic. Yeah. Um, a lot of, like, action scenes in the trailer, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of explosions and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just see a lot of, like I said, um, Twilight and... It's uh, a lot of the typical Hollywood trumped-up bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Car chases test well. <laughs> <laughs> uh one interesting thing, though, is that it looks like, aside from maybe just, like, fixes or small movements, it looks like it's a lot of practical effects. Could like, be. Like the werewolf makeup. It's, it's like classic, like, wolf man makeup. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a, like a wolf. Not like American werewolf in London. Right. It's Yeah, it's like upright wolf man style. Um the makeup, as far as I could tell, you know, it was like this uh, high speed, you know, high Action throttle thrill ride. Yeah, yeah, uh, trailer. So it's kind of hard to get like a good view of these werewolves. But from what I could tell, they looked pretty good. There's no scenes of, of transition in the trailer. No, but. So I don't really know how that's going to look. If it's, I feel like that's probably going to be very heavy CGI. Um, yeah, it could be. Um, I'd like to think that at least, you know, they use practical effects at least a little bit. Here's hoping. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't really tell right now if this is something I'd, I would bother seeing in a theater. I don't think I would. Yeah. I mean, unless I, a new trailer comes out that just blows me away, but from this trailer, I, I don't think I would spend money on it. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards that way, but I haven't really decided yet. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just wait to see.
Alright, and uh, last bit of last bit of news here. Um, there's been kind of talks about a, a, a movie coming out based on the Goosebumps book series, which, you know, we're children of the 90s. Those were a big deal for us. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, that was I kind of like my first foray into quote unquote horror. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, aside from, you know, movies themselves, but like horror literature. Yeah. Um, even though, and then know, later there was the Goosebumps TV show too. Yeah. Which, um, came a little later on and that was around the time I started kind of growing out of those books. Yeah. Same here. I, I didn't really watch it very much. Yeah. I think I watched one or two episodes and it was a little, a little too childish for me at that point. Yeah. I do remember that <laughs> I was watching, this, this was like a, a Saturday afternoon. Um, I think it was probably maybe 12, 13 maybe. Sitting home, watching TV by myself. And I know the local Fox channel, they had like this kids club thing. And they did a contest. It's like, call in now. And, you know, the the 13th caller or something um, wins a, a Goosebumps VHS. And so I just like, eh, well, yeah, why not? And I call in. He says, uh... Hey, what's your name? I'm like, uh, Tony. I was just calling about the, the movie. Uh, it's like, am I, am I 13th caller? He's like, yeah, you sure are. Like, what? Really? <laughs> Cause I, I don't win things, right? <laughs> I have, we, we call it, you know, um, you know, the, the G family curse. That's, <laughs> we just have terrible luck. We don't win things. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I got that, that VHS for free. Pretty cool. Nice. Um, I believe the series is on Netflix now. Uh, I think you're right, yeah. I don't, I haven't watched it, but, um, but anyway, so, uh, they're working on a movie. And this was kind of like, I mean, they had the, I think they had the premise, um, but just didn't really have like the drive to do it. Um, but it sounds like they're actually starting to make moves on this. I mean, they, they had Jack Black attached to play like kind of the main character. Um, and then most recently they've cast, uh, Odea, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Rush. Um, she's from, uh, what we are, what we are. She played Alice. Um, she was in the odd life of Timothy Green. Um, and she, she, she was recently cast to join Jack Black in this movie. Um, and kind of the, the theme of the movie is that, uh, Black, or sorry, Jack Black is going to play Mr. Shivers, who, he's, he's kind of like an R.L. Stein type author. He, he writes scary stories for children. Um, and it kind of comes to a point where his characters in, in, in his books actually start coming to life. Um, and it's like he, you know, basically runs in fear. He has to hide from them. Um, and Odea Rush is going to play his niece who kind of comes together with, uh, I guess it's their neighbor, um, to kind of fight against these monsters and, you know, get, I assume maybe get them back into the book or something. Um, and this, I don't, I don't know if you ever saw this, but, does this, uh, the actual article I was reading about this, 
mentioned it, but this sounds a lot like an episode of Tales from the Crypt with it had Harry Anderson. He was a comic book artist that would draw these characters, these monsters, like like killing people he knew, like his his wife that he hated or his boss. Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, and they they'd come to life and kill these people in the way that he drew them. Um, so it's funny because as I was reading this description, it sounded a lot like that. And then at the bottom of this article, I was reading it and it actually said, this sounds very similar to Tales from the Crypt episode. <laughs> um, and something like a question this article actually asked is like, is this actually a Goosebumps story? <laughs> Cause I, I don't remember it. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it, it has elements from certain stories. Uh-huh. But I don't think that this itself was a story. I, yeah, I like I said, it didn't sound familiar to me at all. Is uh, is R.L. Stein writing the movie? No. Oh, okay. Um, but it is being directed by Rob Letterman, who actually has a history with Jack Black. He directed Shark Tale, um, Monsters and vs. Aliens, uh, and Gulliver's Travels. So you know, Shark Tale and Gulliver's Travels, both movies with Jack Black in them. Mm-hmm. Um. Sony Pictures is distributing it. Um, and interesting enough, I actually read something um, saying that R.L. Stein doesn't think that they can really make a successful Goosebumps movie. Uh, he might be right. Yeah, I mean, I, it kind of sounds like he might be might be game for it. But as far as like... So is he like an EP on this, or is he involved at all? I don't, I don't think so. He just signed off on the name? I, I, I assume. I mean, like I said, this has been kind of in the works for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just, just recently they actually started making progress on it. Uh, namely with casting, uh, Odea Rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I don't know why they picked Jack Black. <laughs> like, any hope that I had that this might be more geared towards adults was gone. When I heard Jack Black was in it. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing because while he may be treasured and loved by most of America or the world even, I don't like him. I find him a little annoying. Yeah. I mean, I liked him in like, I think up to the point of School of Rock. I like him as a secondary character. I don't like him as a leading man. Yeah. Like like, in Orange County. He's great in Orange County. He is. Saving Silverman. Yeah. (laughs) He's perfect in that. Yeah. Uh, Just because he's... The, the fat, the fat friend. I mean, yeah. Like he, he plays that's that his, role. That's his best role. Um, but yeah, leading man, he just, I just don't think he has the chops for it because his, his humor is full of like, the way his humor is, it's like more geared towards like one-liners, short things. Yeah. Where he kind of steps in, says something goofy, and then everybody laughs and he kind of steps back again. Um, but an hour and a half of that, <laughs> It's just too much. Um, and I find it even more odd that he's playing a, an author. I don't buy him as the literary type at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever actually see this. I don't know if I can be nostalgic enough for Goosebumps to watch this. Did you ever read any of R.L. Stein's other books that weren't Goosebumps? Um... Because he tried to, like, start some that were geared towards older people. Not, like, adults, but, like, 
tween to teens. Right, right. Uh, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't think... The only I... one I can remember is there was one called The Beast that was about a roller coaster. Okay. That's the only one I remember, but I know he had more. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I ever actually read any of them. I, 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 like I said, I know what you're talking about, but I don't think I read them any of them. They, they were decent for, you know, that age. Mm-hmm. Like, if I read it now, I'm sure I'd find it ridiculous, but... Do you know if he does any, like, adult horror? I don't believe so. I, cause I'd be interesting, I'd be interested to see what he could do with that. That's true. I'd, I'd like to see him ta- try and tackle, like, a legitimate horror story. Yeah, I mean, for his ability to kind of capture children, and maybe even scare them a little bit, It'd be interesting to see what he could do, kind of like at full power. Assuming Goosebumps isn't his full power, right? <laughs> see what he, what he could do, maybe you know, kind of rival Stephen King a little bit. Uh, be interesting. Yeah. Maybe we'll get in touch with him. Yeah, I'll tweet him. <laughs> um, I don't think Arl Stein has a Twitter. Ah, uh, he does actually. I follow. There you him. go. I'll tweet him. There you go. Um, so we'll see how this turns out. Um, assuming they kind of keep this role that they've got going we'll maybe hear some more news about it coming up relatively soon and uh if any of it sounds interesting we'll we'll tell you old business is old business and new business is new business okay so that's gonna do it all for horror business um and so before we get to our reviews uh we're gonna jump into the interview that we had with rob bukta uh who again he is the coordinator of the makeup competition at Crypticon Seattle. The, the Grand uh, Poobah, if you will. Right. Uh, real cool guy. Um, I mean, you'll hear that in the, in the interview here. Um, and we had a lot of fun. So uh, let's jump into that interview right now. Would you love a monster man? Could you understand the beauty of the beast? All right, hey everyone, this is Skeletoni, and I'm here with Taylor of Terror. Hello. And uh, we are also here with Rob Bukta, who is the coordinator um, of the makeup competition at Crypticon Seattle. How you doing, Rob? Not too bad. How you doing, Tony? Uh, not too shabby. I guess we'll just go ahead and jump right into this. Um, first off, how old is Crypticon? Uh, Crypticon itself has been around for quite a few years, but as a fan convention, it started back in 2006 in Minneapolis. And, uh, I personally didn't become aware of them until around 2009, and they had already been in Seattle for a couple of years at that point. So this so, is, so it's actually like a national convention. It, it is a national convention in the sense that, it, that right now they have it in uh, Minneapolis, the city, and they have it in, in Seattle. Um, there was at one point in time, I guess there was one that they tried to do down in Austin, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been awesome because I know there's a lot of horror fans down in Austin, but uh, I don't think it took because I saw their website like one year and then they were gone. So, sad. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, is, do they all operate independent, or I guess the Seattle and Minneapolis, do they operate independently or are they part of one like parent company or organization? It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, I think I think what it is, and I apologize because I I, I haven't gotten far enough up in the ranks that I know the secrets yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what it is is that uh, Crypticon Minneapolis was kind of the startup, 
and they uh, the different conventions have different operators. So you know the the Seattle convention is operated by Troy, mm-hmm. and the uh, the Minneapolis uh, convention is operated by Chaz. Okay. And Kansas uh, City has its own operator as well, and so they they belong to the same group, as it were. Um, they are different conventions, but the benefit that they have by having three conventions that are all named Crypticon is that they can create a circuit for some of their guests, and they can share guests between each show. Got it. That's yeah. a pretty good idea. It's body power, dude. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, so how long has the makeup competition been a part of Crypticon? Uh, it is, it's been since 2010, and my understanding from Troy was that uh, he created the makeup competition or wanted a makeup competition uh, as part of the convention. And basically, he uh, he came up with the idea, and he handed the, the idea off to Sandy Kimball, who is a huge transplant into the, the Northwest for the haunt community. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came from, from Northern California. And uh, she organized the first contest, and she organized the second contest, and then the contest was handed off to me um, at about the third contest. How long have you been working with Crypticon? Um, I've been working with Crypticon since, since let's see here. So I started, I, I judged the 2011 competition, and I began organizing in 2012. I, I won the 2010 competition, so that's kind of how I became um, aligned with Crypticon, but... Uh, the organization Nightmare Beaver Lake, which is a nonprofit haunt in uh, in the Northwest, it began supporting the makeup competition because the makeup competition needs makeup. Right. Crypticon <laughs> uh, didn't want to go out and drop a buck on on a whole bunch of makeup, and uh, you know uh, Nightmare Beaver Lake said, stepped up and said, "We will provide the makeup for the competition, and you give us a co-sponsor credit." Cool. Um... And so, you know, I mean, I, I've had a history with, uh, Nightmare. Um, I think I, that's where I met you initially. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> was that, it's actually still Scare Productions, which is the company that puts on the Nightmare Beaver Lake. Right. And when they were down where, where you guys, where you volunteered with us, Tony, we were, uh, the Scare House, I guess is what they called it, or the Scare Haunted House. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I don't, it, it bummed me out because I came to help with the breakdown from the um, Des Moines location. Yeah. And it's like I'd never been there before. I was like, this is so cool. Why are they moving? <laughs> Dude, we have no idea. what. It, 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 it's, it's challenging because you did see the breakdown of it, and, and it was such a beautiful place. I mean, and it really – that that environment is what uh, inspired me to work with Scare because mm-hmm. – it was freaking awesome, and I'm sorry that you missed it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, was, I mean, just kind of a side note. How long have you been in, involved with uh, with Scare? Um, I moved up to Washington State in 1995, mm-hmm. and um, I, I wanted to find something to do to occupy my time during Halloween. And I came up from Tucson, and in Tucson – you know, they had a few ragtag groups, nobody who was really hardcore organized. Um, they have one – haunt down there that's very much like the cube 9300 is up here mm. where it's um, you know it's hardcore they do it every year they've got their building they've got it organized and i just wanted to find some place that would take me and i walked in in the door in full makeup and uh, the organizer at the time looked at me like i was insane <laughs> and uh 
she's like, well, fill these papers out and we'll take you on a tour and then you can tell me whether or not you still want to want to hunt here. Mm-hmm. And the first time that I saw the house facade, that was the old haunted house. Um, I, I was like, I was like going to the Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland. Mm. Seriously, you look out and it's like all you see is artificial sky and yeah. uh, and a and a swamp, and it just took my breath away. Yeah, I was I I can remember seeing that. I mean, like when I had initially saw it, it was still mostly together. Um, yeah. And yeah, I can remember seeing that 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 artificial sky, and it was amazing because it was inside of the, the facade was inside a building. Yeah. And so you walk in, and then you're outside again. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. But that that inspiration carried over, and um, I had done makeup before, and um, and when when I uh, when I did started doing makeup with them, it's like it just kind of ex- it completed my haunted house experience. Right. Um, so, how long have you actually been doing like special effects makeup? I started doing uh, special effects makeup in about well, I was 15 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, I picked up a, a Dick Smith Do It Yourself Monster Makeup Handbook. <laughs> And um, from the library, and I was like, I was like, this is kind of cool. I've always been an artist. I've always been very artistic. Yeah. And I found these books, and I'm like, hmm, that's something interesting. I think I could do that. Yeah. So started playing around with the stuff. Found some liquid latex. Got some cotton. Started painting the stuff up in watercolors and masked it. And it was actually the place that I learned my first lesson. I did all these like brains and <laughs> bones coming out of my skin. It was super, super awesome. I thought it looked really cool. And I went to Halloween at school. And um, the one effect that I had done that got the most attention was so super simple. It was just a little tiny piece of latex, a little bit of buildup, and a and a cigarette butt sticking out of my cheek. <laughs> that was awesome. And I was like, well, I guess I could just get rid of the rest of the stuff then. <laughs> <laughs> Less is more sometimes. It is. It totally is. Um, yeah, and I kind of feel like you and I might be kind of kindred spirits because that's essentially how I, I learned how to do makeup too. It just it. Like, I guess mainly, mainly for me, it was just watching horror movies and, uh, yeah. kind of being essentially tired with, like, my mom and dad just kind of giving me a plastic mask and just splashing blood on me. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I can do better. <laughs> uh, I was born on Halloween, so I, I've always celebrated Halloween big time. That's um, right. not, I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I haven't, I, I don't celebrate it like most people do, though. As it's like, you know, I'm not for the big Halloween party. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm I'm about the spirit of it. Sure. Um. Uh. So let's let's talk about the the makeup competition. Uh. How does how does it work? I mean, what's what's kind of the the, the process? What I mean, what let's say like like day of. How does that go down? Okay. So day of. Um. If you were a contestant, you were selected, and and the process goes on for quite a few months before that. Mm-hmm. We'll, Circle back around to that. The day of competition, you're a contestant. You uh, have been selected. You show up. You get your your. You, you have to be a, a convention participant to uh, to be in the competition, but it's not like they go hand in hand. So anyway, you're at the convention, and I tell you to meet me at one o'clock. And uh, in years past, I've actually been roaming as a as a cosplay character as my my crusty bubbles clown. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of hard to get out of uh, out of cosplay mode when you're talking to people that you haven't ever met before. Right. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the fun part. Anyway, I tell you to meet me at one o'clock. You check in with me. I, I turn you loose for a couple hours, and then you come back at three o'clock. Um, 
at the convention. And that's when the competition actually starts. And we announce it. We tell everybody what the rules are. Um, if we haven't already revealed the, the theme, we reveal it at that point. And then um, so we – good. So there is a theme. There is a theme. Um, last year it was uh, – it was uh, – what was it? It was film ready is what it was. And the idea was that we create as much of a character as you possibly can, including um, a costume and a weapon. And then at the end of the at the end of the competition, um, you you set up a scene as an artist with your creation, and your creation could attack you. Okay. And it was really cool. Yeah, it sounds cool. <laughs> I I mean, neither of us have ever been to Crypticon. This is going to be our first year actually going. So. <laughs> I, I personally think it's an awesome convention. I, I, I've been to, a, like, other fan conventions before, you know, like Star Trek things and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But the horror community is really different than the sci-fi community. You know, other than the fact that they kind of like the, 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 the whole same dress-up thing and, you know, you've got your your fangasms of people who, uh, who like different people who come to the convention, different guest stars. Um, but um, the chance to get to know those convention guests in a little bit of a different way is really what has inspired me the last couple of years. Like the guy who plays, um, the guy who plays uh, pinhead, Doug Bradley mm-hmm. was there a couple years ago. And um, I guess he, he, he is not as nice in person as he could be. He's kind of a grumpy old guy. Oh really? Um, yeah. And I was like, you know, I, wouldn't have said that because he looks like a, like a genial, genial older guy. You know, he's from Britain. He's cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, he, you know, I had a couple of people who had a run in with him and he was kind of a, a, a douche to him. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't meet him personally. I was kind of put off by that. But, um, but the flip side is, uh, the guy who's, his name is, he goes by Gangrel and he's a WWE superstar kind of guy. He oh, plays yeah. this video, I think. Yeah. So he was there the same year. And that dude partied out, you know, he was really super friendly, got to know all the people, uh, went to the late night parties, and it's like, you know, you get to see an aspect of a person that's like, that's freaking cool. So, it's a little bit of a different of a, of a fan convention when you get to hang out with the people that you're, you're a fan of. Yeah, and I've heard, like, I mean, Tom Savini, who, I mean, like, I mean, you and I, kind of his makeup artist, can respect what he does, you know, like, almost like he's a god, but... um I've heard he, he's just a real prick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that too. And 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 respect to you, Tom, because I have never met you. But we hear things. We hear people. I've got people that um, we understand that it's possibly it's a gender based thing. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I've heard I've heard from a lot of women. It's like Tom Savini's super cool. He's very supportive. <laughs> You know, and it's like, and every guy who's ever met him has been kind of like, Tom is a douche, man. What the? And I'm like, okay, it, it could be, it could be a gender thing. Maybe he's just been mislabeled. I don't know. I'm looking forward to the possibility that he actually might be there this year. Yeah, he canceled last year, like last minute. <laughs> yeah, last minute he was he was doing something else, and and you know, work comes first. So unfortunately, sure. you know, if if work interferes, then that's the way it is. I'm uh, I'm really interested to meet Roy Woolley from Face Off. Uh, he's going to be a guest. I've actually, I mean, it's amazing that I just recently became a fan of that show. I just, I, I don't have cable, so I don't have direct access to it. Uh, but I actually started watching it not too long ago, and that's a great show. And I especially like Roy. He's he's really great, and so yeah. His his, uh, I think the thing that's most attractive about that 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 personality type is that he is 
not only extremely talented, but he's very outgoing too. Mm-hmm. As a competitor, you know, he reached out to his other competitors and helped them along. Yeah. And I do not like a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, so you say the, uh, the competition starts at like 3 o'clock, you said? Yep, starts at 3 o'clock. Okay. Um, everybody together? Everybody does their makeup, starts applying it. The first thing is a rush for the table that has all the supplies on it, the pantry. I'll bet. Um, yeah, and this year, this year and last year, it was sponsored. It is being sponsored by PNTA. And um, it's a great place here in Seattle. Oh yes, it's an awesome place. I mean, it's like it's Candyland if you're a makeup artist. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> I remember uh, when you were. I, I went to a um, a zombie makeup class that you were proctoring, yeah. or I guess you were proctoring it. You were actually teaching it. Um, <laughs> wrong word. <laughs> Um, it's, a, it's a workshop, so it's you know it's workshop, like I'm, sure. I'm giving you information and you're trading it with me. So right, um, but yeah, it was hosted and kind of sponsored by PNTA, and I remember that was the first time I'd been there. And I was like, how did? Because I, I just worked. I worked literally next door from that place, and I just <laughs> I never knew it was there. And so I'm just like, how did I miss this place? <laughs> they, they they've been all. All the way around the Seattle area, um, Scare got hooked up with PNTA a few years ago mm-hmm. because they're the, uh, the makeup, basically they get most of their, their makeup from them because they're a professional makeup supply and they've got everything and access to everything. Mm-hmm. But, um, they used to be down on Harrison over by, uh, by, uh, or off of Mercer on Harrison by the Space Needle. They've been down by, uh, the, uh, uh South End or the Boeing Airport. Mm-hmm. Um, there for a few years and, and they've moved to Delridge way, which is kind of an interesting choice, but it's not terrible. I mean, anytime stuff starts sliding South end for me, it's like, it's good because I hate the North end of Seattle. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, once the competition started, how long do people have to do their applications? They have a strict two hours and we count it down and we usually go about the first hour, half hour, you know, on the half hour, we let them know half hour again, they've got one hour left, half hour, they've got a half hour left. And then from 15 minutes down, we do 15 minutes after that five minutes. And then we do a minute, a, a, a minute by minute countdown after that. And of course, you know, the we try to get the audience involved. Uh, so those last 10 seconds, you know, 10, nine, eight, seven, six, um, all the way down. It's, it's interesting because the competition takes place and nobody really gets interested until about the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes of the competition. Kind of like a basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ooh, it's starting to get good now. Yeah. Gonna change a little bit this year though. We're actually gonna be in a separate room and, um, we'll do all two hours in the room and we're gonna come in and we'll present the, uh, the artists, their creations. And give them critique and feedback for half an hour on the main stage in the vendor room. Whereas previously we've actually done the entire competition in the vendor room. Mm. Everybody will still have access to them, but they won't be taking up space in the main floor. Sure. Um, and when when you uh, previously mentioned the theme, was that a was it a past theme or is that this this year's theme? That was actually that was last year's theme, and I held off on telling anybody until the very last minute. Um, I'm still concocting a theme this year. I've got one in mind, but it's like I, I, I'm, I don't know whether I want to reveal it. Um, I, I think what I'll probably end up doing is revealing it once we, we select our final picks. Okay. So um, you talked about like trying to get the fans involved and stuff. Kind of describe what the atmosphere is like during the competition. It, there's a, 
you know, for a person who is interested in, in makeup, you know, it's like if, if Tony and I were outsiders and we were watching this competition, you know, we're, we're intent on the technique that's used, the different artistry, the different styles that people use. Um, there's a lot of people who they just kind of walk by, you know, passersby and interested. I think the most interesting um, observation that we ever had was Doug Bradley couple years back you know we've got five people on the floor all very intensely interested in their makeup and doing their stuff so you've got five people you've got their five victims you've got a couple people who are helping with the organization of the competition and about an hour into the competition here comes doug bradley just kind of weaving around all the competitors you know he entered the floor and are you going to tell a guest no no you do not do that (laughs) especially Yeah, yeah. And it's so, uh, so one of my friends, or some, one of my, one of the artists who uh, I've become friends with since, she was telling me about her experience with that. She's, she's, you know, she's doing this. She's very, very focused. And then she's, she tells me, oh, and oh, Doug, Bra- Doug, Brad- Doug Bradley is looking over my shoulder. Oh my God. <laughs> my shoulder at my makeup. Very, very intense. So for the majority of it, you have your, your stragglers, your passersby, people who are just kind of casually interested. You have the people who are really, really intensely interested in your, uh, in the competition. You have some paparazzi. I mean, we seem to get more and more photographers down there every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of getting to the point where it's like the zombie walks where you actually have more photographers than, photographers than zombies nowadays. I have no doubt. I mean, like we, uh, we are exploring trying to get him like, uh, on a, like a press pass so we can, uh, get in you know, kind of maybe see a little ins and outs a little clearer than an average uh, convention goer would, would see. Um, but it's it's been difficult um, because we just don't really have that kind of clout like a lot of pe- people might. Um, well, we'll talk later on. We'll t- talk after the episode. Oh, cool. And All right. I've got a few tips that you can follow, okay? All right. Sounds good. Um, okay, so in the years that you've been involved – uh, what would you say might be like the best application that you've seen? My favorite makeup, um, not this past year, but the year previous was really, really high end. Um, every competitor that, that, that competed seemed to be of an elevated, uh, class in their, their makeup. Not to say that last year's wasn't great. It really was, but that I think that a lot of the circumstance worked against last year's participants. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the year before that, um, we had several competitors from all over the place. Um, a guy who does professional body art down there, his name is Dutch. He was the winner of the competition. And uh, Kat Morris, who came in second, she's actually a, uh, a makeup teacher up in Vancouver, B.C. Oh, wow. um, so you had a lot of, of higher-end people who, who knew what they were doing, and the key to it is that we provide them some really, really simple stuff to do their makeup. Mm-hmm. It's uh, grease paint. It's latex. It's cotton. It's the old school stuff. Right. And a, pers- a person who has a higher caliber can do some just rocking shit with it. Let me tell you. Yeah. And Cat's 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 um, presentation was completely unlike ever anything I'd ever seen. The theme that year was Beauty and the Beast. So what we did is we tried to promote the uh, the competitors having a beauty element mixed in with their horror makeup because, you know, we really want them to focus on the horror and the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she did was she took a young lady who um, was actually there with her parents as a, uh, as a, uh, what, excuse me, as a, um, ah, I want to say a special guest, but uh, no, it was a, a, a VIP guest. You can buy a VIP pass. So she was there with her mom and her dad. 
on a VIP pass and they get the option to become a model and probably about 17 years old. Mm-hmm. But t- she took and she did this beauty application where the girl had um, rose, a rose growing out of a fissure in her face. <laughs> and I was, I was blown away because the, 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 the techniques that these guys used to create this, um, these different creations was just wholly, wholly different than anything I'd ever seen before and after at the competition. And this particular one reminded me of a sting song, um, about the, it's called the Lazarus heart. So Hmm. check it out. It's a, it's a very, very descriptive song. And this (laughs) picture that this woman had created with all these vines twisting in and out of her skin and this rose coming out of her face was just so reminiscent of that. It was beautiful. It was very, very well executed. And, you know, it came in second. Dutch did an awesome job with, with winning his winning creation. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a whole different caliber of, of makeup that year. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, so if someone wants to enter the contest, how do they, how do they go about doing that? Um, both, um, going about to enter it as, as well as looking at some of the, some of the information about the contest is on the same place. It's CryptoConSeattle.com. And you, if you're on a computer, you're going to go to the events tab and you drop that down and the makeup tab is, excuse me, the makeup link is on that tab. Uh, if you're on your phone, I found that there's a big menu button and you press the menu button, it drops down and, and I believe that the makeup contest is a straightaway link right there. Also, we put out uh, announcements periodically um, on the website itself. So if you go to CryptoConSeattle.com and look back in some of the older stories, you can usually find announcements from the web, um, excuse me, from from me or from one of the other web operators um, announcing information about the makeup contest. Okay. Great. Um, and so uh, entries are being accepted now. Absolutely. Yeah. Entries are being accepted now. We're going to close out entries um, on April 2nd. Okay. Um, we're going to have entries. Uh, we're going to have all of our competitors selected probably by the start of May. And um, that, the, that is uh, actually farmed out to all of our judges. Um, last year we had four judges from different disciplines that took a look at the entry. The entry is that the person signs up, they give me all the, they give me their, their contact information. There is a, a $20 fee that is uh, put towards the cost of the, the competition itself. Mm-hmm. And um, then the, you submit three photographs and based on those three photographs, in past years, those three photographs have kind of dictated who has gone from that entry level to the competition. This year, we're going to see if we can uh, actually get kind of a pre-competition going, maybe something in conjunction with PNTA, where um, kind of like the workshop that you attended, Tony, is that we'll, we'll, we'll take over a part of their space, and we'll give all of our entrants uh, a competition and then select our final five from there. That's the ideal. But uh, we have to see, you know, who who uh, enters. Sure. Because if I only get only get five competitors, they're all going to the show. But if I get twenty, I'd like to see what they can do. Sure. Cool. Sure. Okay. Um. And so you said uh, pretty much all the information we found on CryptoConSeattle.com. Uh, is there any way that if if somebody has like a specific question, some way they can contact you? Uh, there is a there is actually my email on there, Rob at CryptoCon.com. Okay. Excuse me, Rob at CryptoConSeattle.com is uh, is present on that site. They can shoot me an email if they have any questions about entry, about the competition. Um, I, I personally try very hard not to judge the competition. Mm-hmm. 
because um, I, I, my first year after I won, I judged. And then the year following that is when I started organizing. And, and the organization aspect is a little bit different. You don't want to show bias towards anybody. Sure. Um, I'm a very try to keep my judgmental nose out of things. <laughs> but, uh, like last year, like I said, we had judges from all different disciplines and it really showed up in the competition because the people who came, who came to compete or who were selected to compete, um, maybe that the beauty judge thought that they were better than, um, you know, the, the effects judge did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody gave me their feedback. We totaled up the scores and we got our five. Cool. All right. Well, um, I think that's, uh, I think, I think you answered all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for stopping by, Rob, and, uh, chatting with us for a while. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. Our pleasure. Uh, so hopefully we'll catch up with you later. We will, we'll see you, and, um, I'll get a hold of you later in email, okay? Sounds good. Thanks again, man. Uh-huh. So that was cool. Yeah, good times. Yeah, All right. he's, he's, I, like, like you heard in the interview, I've, I've known him not especially well, but I've, no, I've known him for years um, and um, kind of reconnected with him a little bit. Uh, God, it's been almost a year ago now. Um, at uh, like like we talked about, it was a, a zombie makeup workshop that he was kind of hosting. Um. <laughs> Yeah, one thing I thought was funny was, uh, he, he mentioned that, uh, Doug Bradley, uh, the guy who plays Pinhead, he was just kind of wandering through yeah. the, the makeup competition when it was going on. And it's like, I can't imagine a whole, like many more pe- people that would just be creepier, just have looming <laughs> over your shoulder, you know? Cause even if he doesn't have the makeup on, he still looks like Pinhead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you seen pictures of him just casual? Not recently. Oh, he 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 dresses like um a guy that's like probably thirty years younger than him. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he kind of dresses like uh, I want to say Dave Navarro, but a little less extreme. <laughs> I wonder if he goes to the clubs and just hits on girls like our age. <laughs> goes down goes up there. I have such wonders to show you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hashtag pin, uh, hashtag pinhead pickup lines. <laughs> there you go, um, Chris Hardwick, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, Crypticon. Let's see, I don't have it pulled up here. Let me, let me pull it up here. Excuse my unprofessional. Yeah, God, Tony. I know, fuck me, right? Fuck you, right. Um, okay, so Crypticon this year is running May 23rd to May 25th, which is Friday through Sunday. That's pretty typical. They run Friday through Sunday every year. It's actually in the, the Hilton. It's listed as Seattle, but it's actually SeaTac. It's like almost right across the street from the SeaTac Airport. For any of you that are familiar with the area, and I know actually most of our listeners are from here, but um, it, it, as, as you heard in the interview, we've never actually been. We've always wanted to go, um, but uh, see, 
We're going this year for sure. Oh, absolutely. And um, like like you may have overheard, we're trying to work on getting some some press passes so we can kind of get in, like interview people, and you know get a little more in depth with the actual goings on at Crypticon. But we've got a really cool guest list this year. I mean, Jeffrey Combs, um, uh, C. Thomas Howell. Jeffrey Combs is from Seattle. Is he from Seattle? He went to UW. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Eric Roberts, Naomi Grossman, the uh, Soska sisters, which I'm interested to meet them. They yeah. So they seem like cool, cool chicks. Um, I, those of you who don't know who they are, they they did American Mary, uh, Dead Hooker in a Trunk, and they're apparently, according to this, they're doing a, a segment in ABCs of Death Two, but. They're doing See No Evil too, right? Also, I don't, I don't know if they're currently working on that, or if it's already done. I know it's not out yet, obviously, but um, I, I, I'm interested to see that because I did not like See No See No Evil, <laughs> and that was actually one of the nominations in the viewer's choice. Yeah, and I'm so thankful. <laughs> zero votes. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Max. Yeah, you dropped the ball on that one, buddy. That's your own fault. <laughs> um. But then we got uh, Roy Woolley, who we actually talked about in the interview with with Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from Face Off. Um, Count Count Jacula, who I'm actually not familiar with. I believe he's some kind of um, porn vampire. Porn vampire. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's a porn vampire. He's probably not a porn vampire. Uh, I, I believe he's, he's like he hosts some kind of television show. I think. Um, John Casser. Like Vampire Lou from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, John Casser, who, of course, is the voice of the Crypt Keeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done numerous other voices, but I think that he's probably most well-known for the Crypt Keeper. I really want to get him to uh, record a new intro for us. That'd be cool. Yeah. Hello, kitties. <laughs> You're listening to the Grave Pod Podcast. <laughs> um uh oh god I, I don't know is it Carol or Carell Strukin uh who who played Lurch oh, Strukin <laughs> he played Lurch in the in the two Abs family movies mm-hmm. um he, 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 and he was also in Men in Black I'm sure he's been in countless other things but I those are, those are what I know him from he's in Star Trek the movie one of the older movies oh okay um, Doug Jones, who, God, he's been so many things. Uh, he, he was in both Hellboy movies. He played, um, oh, the fish guy. Fish boy. Uh, I don't remember the character's name. Um, he's in Pad's Labyrinth. Uh, he, he was the body double for, um, Silver Surfer in Fantastic Four. Oh. Yeah, um. Camden Toy, who actually, he, he, he does a lot of, uh, things, but, uh, like, you, you might know him best. He, he played, uh, one of, one of the gentlemen in, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think the we actually. Gentlemen! <laughs> um, I think we actually mentioned him in, uh, in the interview. Uh, and then Reggie Lee, who, who plays, uh, Sergeant Wu on Grimm. Uh, he, he was in Dark Knight Rises, ironically playing a cop. He also well. played a cop in Saw 2. Or three. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He was also in Dragging Me to Hell. I, I think it might have been the first Saw. No, I think it was two. Oh, okay. He was also in Dragging Me to Hell. I actually don't 
Was he a cop? He may have been. He seems kind of typecast. <laughs> um, it's funny because his character in, in Grimm, I think I've said this before, he seems so much more qualified than the actual detectives and he's just a sergeant. <laughs> like he, 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 he kind of knows the streets a little better. I mean, he knows these little, these little things that would be helpful in being a detective that he has to like tell, um, Nick and, uh, Roy. He has to share these things with them so they can solve the case. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Lynn Lowry, who you know from the original crazies, cat people, shivers, uh, and then big one, one I'm most excited about personally is Tom Savini. Uh, if you don't know who Tom Savini is, stop the podcast right now, look him up on IMDb and find out. Um, but he's just awesome, and I, I really hope he's he a makeup legend. Yeah, he he is the makeup guy. There, yeah, there, there's no one above him. Um, so I'll, I'm excited to meet him. Like, I, he has his own makeup school. Yeah, in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it, from what I hear, it's actually very difficult to get in. Yeah. Um, so those are the guests at Crypticon. I mean, aside from that, I mean, there's there's going to be all kinds of uh, vendors and um, exhibits there. I mean, they're going to have authors. Uh, I, I'm really excited about this. Me too. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I I'm disappointed in myself that we've never been before, but this is this is going to be a good year, I think, and uh, we're really looking forward to going. And whether we can get in on some press passes or not, we're going to try and do a little bit of coverage and at least report on it for you guys. And yeah, like we, we may have a whole episode that's just Crypticon. Yeah. Or we may just have, you know, an episode where we pepper some stuff in, but we're definitely going to be recording while we're there. Absolutely. And, you know, um, like you said, trying to get some interviews mm-hmm. and just kind of talking about what's going on there. Yeah. And I'm sure at very least we'll, we'll catch up with Rob. Yeah. And, uh, and talk. About the the makeup competition, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably try to get some pictures too. I, I assume we'll get probably get a lot of pictures. We'll post them up on the site for you guys. You can check them out, see how things went. Um, so that'll be cool. But or, I mean, that's not for a couple more months. So right, we'll see. Um, okay, so I guess also uh, the, the website for Crypticon is CryptoconSeattle.com. Um, you can contact Rob, as he said, through Rob at SeattleCrypticon.com. Crypticon um, Seattle. Sorry, CrypticonSeattle.com. Is that what I said for the website? You said the website right, but okay. you said his email wrong. Okay, so yeah, that's how you can get a hold of Rob. Um, as he said, the, all the information about entering is on CrypticonSeattle.com. You go to events in the drop-down menu and just go to makeup contest. On top of that, there's also a costume contest and a writing contest. So if any of you guys are into either makeup, um, cosplay, or uh, if you've got a short story that's burning burning in your head, or you've already got it written, look into these and, and uh, be sure to enter them. And, uh, you know, I, I guarantee you it'll it'll make the event much more fun for you guys. Um, okay, so like, if if you want to buy tickets, um, you can get a link through the website. You can get uh, a VIP pass, uh, which I believe is all th- all three days, 
and you get some little extra quirks. Um, like Rob said in the interview, uh, VIPs have the option to become a model in the makeup competition. So that's cool. Um, and, and you know, you get little, little extra quirks on the side too. I, I think you maybe get some, uh, you get like early entrance so you get to get in before everyone else. And things of that nature. Um, those, those are gonna run you, they're, they're pretty steep, I have to say. They're gonna run you $185, but if you got the money to do it, I, I'd say do it without hesitation. Yeah, we, we won't be doing that. No. <laughs> We're, we're living on podcaster salaries right here. Which um, is nothing. Right. <laughs> um, then we've got the full weekend, which is basically the VIP pass without all the frills. You get to get in all three days. That's going to run you 60 bucks. Weekend for kids is 40. Uh, Friday only for adults, 20. Friday kids is 10. Saturday adults, 30. Saturday kids is 20. Sunday adult is 20. And Sunday kids is 10. So, hopefully you guys got all the information. Really hope you check it out. Crypticon is going to be awesome this year. So, check it Cause out. Because we'll be there. Right. Yeah, and if you happen to spot us, if you know what we look like, I guess. <laughs> uh, the, the plan is for us to wear Grave Plot Podcast t-shirts. Yeah. So. You'll, you'll notice us through those. So. Yeah. If you see us, come up, say hi. Tell us how Give you us like a high five. Show. What? Give us a high five. Yeah. Or if little... your hands are clean. Yeah, or give us a little swat on the butt, you know. Just yeah. a little up that. Or give us a little kiss. Give Taylor a kiss. Just not on the mouth. <laughs> on his dick. Wait. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> hey, sorry for interrupting this great podcast you're listening to. But I'm Cody from Yeah, A Lot of People Like That, a great new movies podcast. Myself, along with my co-host Charlie, sit down and attempt to catch up on some movies that have passed us by. Recent episodes include box office hits such as The Avengers and Silver Linings Playbook, along with some smaller movies such as Cabin in the Woods and I Saw the Devil. Join us as we give a second opinion on movies, while also talking recent movies, movie trailers, movie news, and just pretty much anything else we want to talk about. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. You don't have to search the whole long name of the show. We made it simple. Just search Yelpcast. That's Y-A-L-P-C-A-S-T. Yelpcast. Nice, short, and simple. Give us a listen. You won't regret it. Now back to your regular scheduled program. Okay, let's go ahead and move on into your listener's choice movie reviews. So I think uh, first we'll go with the movie that won overall. Right. Receiving 50% of the votes... Uh, nominated by Mrs. Skeletoni, <laughs> according to the nomination sheet. Uh, the movie is Wrong Turn. Whoa! They uncovered a legend. Hey, is anyone up there? A secret hidden deep in the woods. You can't just go barging into someone's house like that. Hello? This summer. Guys, check this out. Oh, God. We gotta get out of here. Cancel. 
the camping trail. Sweetheart, seriously, this isn't funny. Wrong Turn, rated R. So yeah, this movie, Wrong Turn, is from 2004. Um, uh, it, was, it was directed by Rob Schmidt and Alan B. McElroy. Um, sorry, 2003, not 2004. My mistake. Um, it, it stars uh, Eliza Dushku, who you guys might recognize from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was in True Calling. Uh, she was in Dollhouse. Um I think she there's a movie called uh, I believe it was Alphabet Killer. Um, she's been in a handful of things. Uh, I think this was maybe her like oh she was in that, that Bring It On movie. Okay, the cheerleaders. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I never saw it. Bullshit! You've seen it, <laughs> fucker. Make me feel like the asshole. Um. Anyway, moving on. She's uh, also with uh, Desmond Harrington, who. Most recently, you guys probably recognize as uh, Detective Quinn from Dexter. I did you watch Dexter? Uh, the first three seasons, I think. Okay, I don't think he was in it yet. No, he he came in, I believe, at the end of season two. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. Um, so he is in it. Um, Emmanuel. Oh God, do you know how to pronounce her last name? No. I always pronounce it Emmanuel Sharik. Okay. That's how I pronounce it. I don't know if it's right. I've never heard it pronounced before, so I don't know. Um, from Entourage. From Entourage. Um, and other things. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Sisto. He was, um, one of the last detectives on Law and Order before it, before it ended. Like the original Law and Order. Mm hmm. He was in May. Um, he was in May. Uh, I think the first thing I ever saw him in was Clueless. I'm sorry that I watch 90s teen movies. <laughs> he was in that? Yeah. Played, um, Christ, what was his name? Elton. I don't remember that. He was in it. Alright. Uh, Again, I'll take your word for it. You're a prick. Fuck <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> Uh, Lindy Booth, who looked familiar, I, see, she was in the remake of Dawn of the Dead, um, did you just fart, or was that, that was my mouth, oh, that was my Dawn of the Dead remake noise, got it, it was like, dude, we're recording, <laughs> um, Dude, that would have been the most heinous fart. <laughs> like, Alright, we gotta stop and leave the room for a bit. Uh, she was in Detroit Rock City briefly, I believe. Um, I don't know. She looked so familiar. It must have just been Dawn of the Dead that I recognized her from. Um, and then also Kevin Zegers. Did you ever see Cry Wolf? She was in that. Was that the movie where, With like... With Bon Jovi. What? With Bon Jovi. With Bon Jovi? Yeah, Bon Jovi played a teacher. Oh, it was, it was like they're, like, students that they start a rumor or something like that? Yeah. And there was, like, a thing on AIM. With the, the killer was on AIM and was, like, threatening people and... God, AIM. <laughs> 
I don't know. She yeah. was in American Psycho 2. Yeah. Oh, that. That's what I saw. <laughs> no, I can say that I have never seen that. Don't intend to. Really? Really. I saw it. And you saw the other ones too. <laughs> Asshole. Anyway, moving on. So, basically in this movie, uh, starts out with Desmond Harrington, um, as, uh, Chris. He's driving along, he, he's a... Driving along, driving along. Driving along in his vintage Mustang. Uh, who takes a fucking vintage Mustang on a road trip? Through the fucking backwoods. Yeah! Like, I mean, this is probably, like, if I had to guess, it's probably like a 65, maybe 66 Mustang. Uh, and he's, 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 he's taking on this long trip, which, first of all, I mean, obviously this is 2003, so it's a little bit different, because gas wasn't insanely priced yet. Um, so maybe you could afford to take it on a little longer trip. But then also, at one point, he decides he's going to take it on this dirt back road. I do not fucking think so. Yeah. There is no chance in hell I would ever take my cherry vintage Mustang out on a dirt road. Anyway, back to the point. On this dirt road, he looks away and he crashes into this Land Rover, whatever it is, um, which was pulled over on the side of the road because the tires had blown out. And it was, it was filled with the rest of the cast. Uh, as Dushku, she's Jesse, Manuel Shriek as Carly, um, Jeremy's sister's Sisto as Scott, Kevin Zegers, Evan, Lindy Booth's Francine. Um, so he, he hits him hard. Like you can see the front of that Mustang is just trashed. I mean, if you, if you're going to hit something that hard to crumple up a Mustang, it's been going fast. Yeah. Um, I mean, he like didn't see it coming. He was going full speed. Right. Down a dirt road. What's the fastest you've ever driven down a dirt road? Like 30? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. So he crashes into these guys and they kind of all resolve that they have to go find a phone and then call a tow truck um, and get out of there. <clears throat> uh, they happen along this cabin that's out in this opening just deep in the woods. Uh, and this is in Western Virginia, by the way. So uh, they find this cabin and they just walk in. I mean, they knock, they just walk in. It's like, that's the last thing you want to do in West Virginia. Just walk into somebody's house. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, they, um, they kind of slowly discover that things are weird in this house. Uh, and then they finally meet up with the responsible parties of putting the barbed wire on the road, which is a trio of just these really weird, Fucked up inbred freaks. Yeah, with fucking hair lips. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so they basically spend the rest of the movie running from them. I mean, they. they I mean, this just this endless wilderness that they're in. It seems like there's really no rescue. And it's amazing in these just thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of. of 
forest, they keep finding roads. <laughs> Does that strike you as weird? I didn't at the time, but now that you mention it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, they take this fight everywhere with these freaks. I mean, they go up into trees. They um, go up into, like, a, uh, a ranger's watchtower. Um, and the, the three inbred guys, like, they they know these woods. Oh, yeah. Like, this is their home. They know every inch of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, these people are just fighting for their lives. I mean, they're, you know, maybe you'll consider this a spoiler, but they're slowly getting picked off, like, one by one. Um, until there's just, you know, a handful of them left. But, uh, that's, that's kind of the movie. I mean, I don't want to give away the ending or anything. Yeah. Um, but there's no real explanation for why they want to kill these people. No, aside from just being psychotic. Yeah. I mean, they like like we said before, they're just these really creepy insane inbreds. I mean, yeah, like they don't talk. No. They kind they, of they, they communicate by kind of like grunting at each other. Well, it, it, the um the kind of main one who is in the credits, he's listed as Three Finger. Um, the one with I didn't realize they had names. Yeah, Three Finger, One Eye, and Sawtooth. All right. Uh, I have to assume it's because he has three fingers. Ah. And one has one eye. Your powers of deduction are impeccable. Thank you. Um. So it it it's done like about these inbreds. You know, they, they have a shotgun. Like, I think it's maybe the character One Eye that uses the shotgun. Um, and I think it's Three Finger that uses this bow and arrow. These guys are impeccable shots. They have some of the best aim I've ever seen. They probably practice all day. But what the fuck else are they gonna do? How are they that good? I mean, they're, they're fucking inbred, and they're... Well, the guy with one eye, it probably is stronger because it's the power of two eyes in one. You can't get... So he's like a fucking dead eye. I don't care how strong your one eye is. You cannot get depth perception with one eye. (laughs) You don't know. I do know. You got two eyes. How could you know? I'm not having this discussion with you. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking prick. Um... So, in this we got Eliza Dushku, who is just a delight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> um, but she's, she's playing this character that she always plays. Just this real hard-ass chick, you know? Yeah. I think that, that may have started with Buffy, because she played Faith in that, and she, she was a slayer. She was just this real, Hard ass bitch, you know. Um, was she in the new guy? Yes, she was. Um, and then from that, you know, she played, uh, they said, uh, bring it on. She was some chick from out of town. She was like, she was just this really moody, out of town chick. Kind of had like a chip on her shoulder. She didn't want to dance, but 
you know, she, she couldn't do her gymnastics, so she had to do it in tier two. You know a lot about that movie. I've seen it so many times. <laughs> and they weren't necessarily by choice. Uh-huh. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up! You're the one that keeps bringing it up. I can't help it! We're talking about Eliza Dushku. It's part of her career. She was in Jan Silent Bob Strike Back. She was. She was the leader of the gang. And she played a bitchy chick. Yep. Um, yeah. Nothing, this is, this movie's no different. She plays just this real hard ass chick. Um, with kind of a, she's got this hard outer shell, but kind of gooey center. Yeah. Um, cause it seems like it doesn't take a lot for her to kind of break down a little bit once the shit starts to fly. Yeah. Um, and of course she's in a tank top the whole movie. Of course. Um, which is like, it's just long enough to go down to like the, it's just the top of her pants. So like there's just all just belly. In the if you think about like how many movies in the 2000s had a leading lady in a tank top? All of them. <laughs> like there's this one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, House of Wax. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just, Apparently, only beautiful people are heroes. Well, yeah. I, Everyone knows that. Well, sure. The ugly people die first. <laughs> the uglies, the fatties, and the minorities. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, except in Night of the Demons. True. Um... So it seemed like the kind of weapon of choice in this movie was a lot of like barbed wire and razor wire, which was rough to watch. Yeah. Just cutting. Like, I mean, like you see somebody get hacked with a, um, with a machete or a chainsaw or something. That, that's the one thing. But these, somebody just watch them get like slowly cut by like small little cuts. That's the thing is like so many of the, the scenes with, you know, the, bow and arrow or the, you know, chainsaw or whatever is, is so quick mm-hmm. that it, it doesn't really give you a chance to react. Yeah. But yeah, like just the slow slicing of razor wire is just cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there is a point where one of the characters, she, like, she gets razor wire, like, in her mouth and she gets, like, picked up by it. Ah! And just kind of, like, starts slicing into her head, basically. Brutal. Um, my favorite kill scene was the axe, though. That was good. in the tree. Yeah. Um, it's like I, I just wonder how how hard you'd have to swing that axe to actually chop through somebody's skull. You know, like all the way through into the tree. Pretty hard. Yeah. He must have had pretty sure footing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just another thing about these these fucking inbreds. Like they're so good at aiming. I mean, they have impeccable aim with not only a shotgun, which is fine because, you know, a shotgun is a bit of a scatter shot, but it's got a rifled barrel, typically. Well, no, I guess a shotgun wouldn't, but it's got a barrel that shoots pretty true. This bow and arrow, I mean, it, it looked like the, the bow itself was probably 
factory made or, or something. It looked like a pretty standard bow, but these arrows were clearly homemade. Yeah. It's like, you have to get a perfectly straight arrow to get that kind of accuracy. He's like fucking Hawkeye. Seriously. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, this guy has one eye. He's inbred. He's fucking retarded. He can't speak. It's like the only thing I can believe about these guys is that they have the, the, the retard strength. <laughs> but so offensive. <laughs> when are we not offensive on this show? Fair point. Um, yeah. Then the, the the little one who I guess must be Sawtooth. He like yeah. he can climb a tree like a cat. Yeah, and that motherfucker. He would be the one I killed first. I cannot stand that guy. It's like I was sitting there watching with my with my fiance, um, and. I'm just like sitting there getting stressed out. I'm like, I would kill that fucker first. I can, I was like, tackle him, just get a knife and start stabbing him in the face and say, what the fuck are you laughing about? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like this movie starts out and they're, they're walking through the woods and they find this ramshackled cabin. They walk in, they start seeing all this gross shit. Like, just rotten food. Like, well, like, very, very rotten, moldy, flies flying around it, food on the table. They're finding weird jars of pickled matter of some sort. One girl, like, she sees um, what looks like dentures. I mean, it looked like dentures. Maybe it was real teeth. I don't know. It's just in a, in a mason jar. And I'm sitting there wondering... What's it going to take for these people to get out of this house? That's kind of par for the course for these kind of movies, though. True. But it's just like you, you watch it and, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of have to get in a, in a frame of mind say, okay, well, this is how the story's going to progress. But it's like in real life, it's like I know that I if I, if I ever made the mistake of walking into a sh- shed or like an like a old busted-down house in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia... I made the mistake to do that in the first place, and I walked in. I saw just a table full of rotting food. Uh, that that'd be all I needed. I'd, well, I'd and leave you know right the then. place must have stunk like high heaven. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when you see that they like they'll kill people, slaughter them, and eat them, mm-hmm. uh, or you know butcher them. Um, so that place just must have reeked like just rotting flesh and, and, and blood rotten food and yeah uh, I would think you could smell it from fucking miles away one would think um, and I, I was just sitting there thinking like have, have these people never seen like deliverance yeah really uh, or you know hills have eyes just these these movies that deal with like these backwoods freaks yeah normal people don't live in cabins in the woods. Yeah. They I mean, go there for a weekend. Yeah. I mean, the, the odds of you finding just a friendly old hermit living out in the woods, ready to help, uh, very slim. Um, so the, the makeup on these guys was really good. It was. I mean, the, they looked disgusting. Yeah. I mean, they were hard to look at. They're extremely hard to look at, especially, um, I think it was Three Finger that had the the cleft lip. Yeah. I mean, I can't I can't do cleft lips. I think you know that about me. I do. 
it's I I apologize if that offends anybody, but something about just cleft palates, cleft lips, it makes me physically ill. <laughs> like I can't stand to look at it. Um, I remember there was like an ad on some website that I sent you once, and like the ad was to try and help people. Yeah, I remember that fucking asshole. <laughs> And you just like scroll down. And you're like, oh god, damn it! <laughs> yeah, I, I remember exactly when that happened. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. These another thing about these these freaks. I mean, the best word I can use to describe them. Is I found that they were kind of inconsistent in their intelligence. It seemed like they were fairly good at strategy. But, like, when it was important to the story, they were dumb. I can remember them being up in the tree, and um, Chris pulls back a branch to kind of, like, slingshot, I think it's Sawtooth, the the little one, the the laughing laughing boy, (laughs) Um, pulls back the branch to kind of slap him out of the tree, and he sends uh, Jesse off to get his attention and draw him in. And she starts saying, you know, she's like, here I am, come and get me. How do, how is that not a trap? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're intelligent enough to know how to, like, surround someone in the woods, if you're not, like, if you know... How to set a trap? Yeah. You should know one when you see one? Exactly. Especially when it's so dumb. I mean, you, you don't even have to see, like, another movie in your lifetime to know that that's a trap because people are running from you. They're not going to announce their whereabouts. Yeah, really. They don't just give up, you know. <laughs> um, and so, of course, you know, the guy falls for it, comes right after, and lets go of the branch, and he swats him out of the tree. And so I just don't know the, the intelligence level of these guys were just it was just really inconsistent. Yeah. I and mean, especially, like I said, with their archery and their um, shooting skills. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I think I really only have, like, one more thing to mention. is like, <clears throat> near the end of the movie, I mean, throughout the movie, they don't really toy with people. They capture them. I mean, they, they, they get them and they kill them. I mean, one guy, he's trying to run away, and he gets shot in the back with an arrow, several arrows. Um, like, you know, without even knowing it was coming, someone got their head chopped in half. Uh, someone got strangled and essentially strung up by some razor wire. I mean, just all these different kills, but it was instantaneous. They, people didn't see it coming. Right. But yet, at, in, like, kind of near the end, when it's down to two characters, one of which being Jesse, I mean, you put Eliza Dushku on the front of the movie, you know she's going to be around to the end, so I don't think that's necessarily a spoiler. And like we said, if it's a movie from the 2000s and there's a girl in a tank top, she's the, she's the survivor girl. Right. Um, so, she... Like, it's her and one other person at the end, um, and they, uh, or she, she gets captured. And these, these freaks, they, they capture her rather than kill her. They take her 
back to the house. I kind of got the feeling that one of them, I think maybe it was uh, Three Finger, like had a little crush on her. Was it the, the one in the red shirt? I think so. That I believe that was one eye. Oh, okay. Or maybe it was Three Finger. I don't know. It's not really that important. No. One uh, of them. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I could see that, but they didn't really do a very good job of making that clear. And for somebody like me, you know, it's like... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not something where you watch it and you definitely see it. It was just kind of an impression I got. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too critical. There's just... I felt like there's a lot of potholes in this movie you could drive a fucking truck through. Um, so, I don't know. But, yeah, I, just, I thought it was odd that they captured her rather than killed her when they just killed everyone else without... Prejudice, you know? Yeah. Like I said, that was that was the reason that I thought was that one of them had a little crush on her and didn't wanna didn't want to kill her. I suppose. Oh, yeah, that that could be it. But Or, you know, wanted to get his dick wet first. Sure. Um alright, well. Anything to add? Um uh, No. I think we covered everything. Alright. Um well, so as far as a reading I don't know. This movie wasn't terrible, mm-hmm. but I can remember when I saw it for the first time, probably back around the time it first came out, I didn't really enjoy it. I think I've probably only seen it like one other time since then, aside from watching it for this. Um, and I thought maybe I was just remembering it worse than it actually was, but it, it was about this. It was about what I expected and remembered it wasn't that great um i don't know maybe in another five years when i can't remember if i liked it or not i'll maybe watch it again (laughs) but when all said and done i think i would probably not rate this any higher than like a four see for me i remember liking it when it first came out Uh not loving it but liking it Uh uh-huh and I feel like every time I've seen it since, it doesn't hold up. Right. I feel like each viewing, it's a little less entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would give it a five. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I guess something I didn't really go into very much was the something that really held up for me was the. Like the makeup, I mean, we talked about that very briefly, but the makeup was very good. I yeah, mean, it it didn't look like these. I mean, these guys weren't wearing just masks. There. I mean, they're wearing appliances, but it didn't look heavy. I guess it looked very natural. Natural. Uh, I mean, it, as natural as something like that can be. Right. <laughs> um, the so effects I, were good in general. Yeah, like not just the makeup. Mm-hmm. But like the kill scenes were good. Yeah, they were. It wasn't overly CGI. No, that that's something that was that was nice too. Is that there wasn't a ton of CGI. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of call for it. Yeah, but um, that was nice too, especially when you know her, uh, the person's head gets chopped in half and they fall out of the tree. Mm-hmm. Even that, I mean, it it had to have been CGI to mm-hmm. a certain extent, but even that didn't look terrible. Right, and, and because it was so quick, I guess he probably didn't 
get a chance to really notice that it was like any like imperfections or anything. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, I checked and this movie is not on Netflix. So, if you want to watch it, you're gonna have to rent it somewhere. Yeah. Be it, uh, I doubt Redbox has it, but I don't know, maybe like iTunes or uh, Google Play or Amazon, I guess. Um, any of those outlets would probably have it. So, check it out if you like redneck horror, but. I mean, it's, it's definitely worth at least one watch if you haven't seen it. I suppose. But. I don't know. I, th- I think if you're turned off by movies, like I said, like like Hills Have Eyes, those type of movies, I might steer away from it just because I feel like I might be wasting your time. Yeah. But that's fair. So that's that. Okay, so let's move on to uh, the other selection, which was nominated by Kevin Nesgoda. And it's a... Uh, Piece of shit. <laughs> um, the video dead. Hidden inside the house at 21 Shady Lane Avenue is a black and white TV with the power to turn itself on and come alive with the dead. The video dead. But for the new owners, their first warning may be too late. Why did you kill her? You don't know what you're messing with. The video dead, a new form and shape for zombie terror that invades a neighborhood and threatens the innocent, the unsuspecting, and the unbelieving. Nothing can prepare you. Nothing can save you. Nothing can stop the onslaught of the video dead. It's the late show to end them all. Look what's buried inside your TV. The video dead. I think maybe we should clarify on this movie. This was actually a, a, it was tied with another movie in the in listeners poll, mm-hmm. and so we went to I'm calling him the Oracle, but Oracle is was my dad. Yeah, and I know that may sound nepotistic to some people, but really, like he has no real vested interest in it. I mean, I went to him because he's a horror fan. I don't think he's seen either movie before. Right, you said he had to look him up. Yeah, I sent him like the Wikipedia pages and the IMDb pages. I know he watched the trailers. Um, so I sent him all that information, and uh, here's the, the... I'll just read the email he wrote back to me. He says, uh, okay, saw both trailers and read both write-ups. Much depends on your audience. If your audience has a brain in their heads, they'll most appreciate hearing about RSVP. It seems to have a more deeper and more sophisticated storyline to it. A mystery of sorts. Negative about RSVP? I've only seen one other movie that had Jay without sign of Bob and it sucked. <laughs> RSVP stars Jason Mewes yeah. and looks like probably one of the lead roles. Um, 
He goes on to say, uh, the video dead is classic 80s zombie stuff with what looks like pretty good makeup and effects. It looks like it's about as deep as a coffee saucer, but it looks fun. He says, uh, I'd rent RSVP in a heartbeat, but I wouldn't mind owning the video, de- the video dead. So video dead gets my vote. So that's what broke the tie for us. It's a very well thought out. Yeah, it was uh, kind of more than I was expecting. I just kind of expected it's like video dead. Go. That's why he's the Oracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was told that RSVP is very Hitchcockian. That yeah, I had I read read that. Um I guess I'd have to see it to know. I've never seen it before. Right. Um The girl who nominated it um said she owns it, so we could borrow it if we did want to do it later. Okay. Well, onwards. So, video dead. Uh, 1987. Um, and yeah, just very 80s feeling. Uh, it starts off instantly feeling very 80s because of the super, super 80s soundtrack. Yeah. And it's like, it's like 80s horror soundtrack. Like, yeah, it's like if that, you go to YouTube and type in 80s horror soundtrack, this is what you would hear. Yeah, just like, it's kind of like a, like a piano, like, very simple sonata sounding yeah. thing, but then like these just kind of wailing guitars over it. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and from the very beginning, the acting is terrible. Yeah. Uh, and the cinematography is awful too. Yeah. Just these really weird, awkward like angles and close ups and stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Hold on. I don't need to be that close to that guy's face. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it starts off with this guy, Mr. Jordan. He gets a crate from Highlight Delivery. Yeah. Uh, when, the, when, the, when the delivery guys show up, you know, they open up the back of the van, and it's slow motion, like a slow motion reveal of this crate. Like, we're supposed to know... What it is, it's like, okay, it's a crate. It doesn't say, like, do not open or anything right. on it. And how cool is it that it was delivered in a crate? You just don't see that anymore. Right, like when they open the back of the van, there's, like, all these cardboard boxes yeah. and then this big wooden crate right in the middle of it. Yeah. Why don't they deliver things in crates anymore? Um, I don't know. It seems just so much simpler in, like, every aspect. So remember, I, I interviewed a company that, like, a special cut cardboard for boxes, like boxes that have like special inserts in them and stuff, uh, which is, you know, what TVs come in nowadays. Next thing you know, you're some schmo working in a box factory. <laughs> yes, I did interview at a box factory. But then, then like specially cut like styrofoam and stuff, which is, you know, not eco-friendly. Right. It's like how simple, how hard is it to just nail some two-by-ones together and make a crate? Yeah. And then if, if nothing else, you can burn it. <laughs> True. Anyway, I just, I had that in my notes and I wanted to mention it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Crates, um, crates are cool. <laughs> Next time I order something from Amazon, I'm, special notes, please deliver in crate. <laughs> uh, but the package winds up being this TV that he didn't order. Mm-hmm. Has no idea where it came from. He's just like, I don't even watch TV. Curmudgeon. <laughs> 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 But uh the TV springs to life, turns itself on. Another thing, 
He says he doesn't watch TV, but he plugs the fucking thing in. Do you understand? Know. Maybe he wants to start watching TV. I don't know. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, but the TV turns itself on, tunes itself to a classic movie, Zombie Blood Massacre. Yeah, I love that one. It's so good, dude. <laughs> um, then the, uh, the delivery guys come back the next day. They say, you know, oh, it was a mistake. You're not supposed to get this delivery. It's supposed to go to the Institute of the Occult. Yeah, way off. It's like not even the house across the street. Right. It's not even a house. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're, uh, Mr. Jordan, I don't, didn't catch his first name, but I, I somehow read Institute for the Occult as Mr. Jordan. Right. <laughs> it was, uh, it's Henry Jordan. Henry Jordan. So yeah, not even close to Institute of the Occult. <laughs> um, but by the time they get there, Mr. Jordan has been put in a party hat and had his throat slashed. Yeah. What was with the party hat? I don't know. <laughs> I just... Um, and, you know, right away, you want, like, he's assuming they talked, attacked by zombies. Because, you know, like you said, the TV springs alive. And these zombies actually start exiting the TV. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think that you're going to see a victim of, of a zombie attack, you're going to see, like, you, you expect to see just, like, this eviscerated mass that used to be a body. You know? Right, just half eaten. Not something with a slashed throat and a party hat on. Yeah, that's the thing about the zombies in this movie is they don't eat people. Yeah. They just want to kill people. That, that bugged me so much. It's like, why would they even make them zombies if they, if they yeah. weren't going to be zombies, you know? It's I thought like, the same thing. Like, it really didn't seem necessary. Yeah, there's one point in the movie where there, he's one of the zombies, he's like stalking someone through the woods. Like, intelligently stalking someone. Rather than just attacking and eating them. Yeah, these are... Thinking zombies, maybe not necessarily intelligent, because they don't talk, right? But they do have the capability to, like, they laugh, yeah, and they like can push buttons and open doors and mm-hmm. and not uh, consciously put on clothing and stuff, yeah, and use a chainsaw, right? So, yeah, um, the story goes on to this, the next family that oh, moves wait, into. Oh, wait, sorry, one thing. Did you th- <laughs> I like it when the delivery guys, you know, they're like, oh, Mr. Jordan? And they kind of push the door open, and he's, you know, he's standing there. You know, his body's there, dead. Mm-hmm. And he just closed the door. <laughs> That's something I noticed in this movie. Nobody reacts to anything the way a normal person yeah. would. It's like, where did they find these actors? Like, there's a part where the woman comes downstairs, goes into the kitchen, and sees the zombie, and just kind of goes, oh, my, oh, me, yeah. Dios mio. <laughs> like, that's the reaction I would have if I came out and you were in my kitchen unexpectedly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just like, oh, God, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> but if it was a zombie, I would scream and run and punch and kick and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be more like, ah, zombie! Yeah, like, oh my fucking god! Uh, so yeah, nobody seems to react the right way. Yeah. Um, and then this, this 
brother and sister move into the house. Apparently they're waiting for their parents to move home from Saudi Arabia. Um, so they didn't really explain why they're in Saudi Arabia, but... Because they didn't say anything about them being in the war or anything like that. They just... You know, I don't remember. I think they may have said they're like... They said something about them moving back to the States for good, finally, but they didn't really ever explain, like, what... why they were traveling. Yeah, fuck, right now. Right um, but yeah, so this brother and sister move in, and, uh, the TV is still there, and, of course, the same shit starts happening. Um, TV's and, stored up in the attic, though. Right, but, uh, the brother, Jeff, he hears it, mm-hmm. so he goes up to the attic and gets it brings it back down. This woman comes out of the TV and tries to seduce him. Right. She takes off her clothes and you get some hair boobs. Yeah. We just got totally boob blocked. Yeah. Um, I fucking hate when they do that. They, just, they like tape the hair down to the boobs. Yep. And then it, yeah, it just looks like the hair is growing out of the boobs in yeah. their head. Um. Well, like that whole scene... Before she comes out of the TV, after she comes out of the TV, and after she goes back into the TV, Jeff acts like talking to someone who's on the TV is not a weird thing. Yeah, like she, <laughs> he's she, just having this conversation with her through the TV, uh-huh. and it's, it's it's cool. Yeah. Um. Actually, prior to that, um, what's his face, uh, uh, um, Mr. Daniels, who. He was like the previous owner of the TV. Yeah. He comes to the house asking about it because he, he realizes that he sent it to the wrong address. <laughs> um, and uh, Yeah, he drove all the way up from Texas. Right, but we don't know where. Like, yeah, I guess that... I never really said where no. it takes place. Okay, he drove, to Tex- drove from Texas to, to where? Yeah, <laughs> Oklahoma? That's not that far. <laughs> um and so, yeah, he, he, he comes to the house looking for the TV. He's talking to Jeff. And, you know, Jeff's just like a typical douchebag teenager. He really just kind of doesn't pay attention or doesn't pay all that much attention to what he's saying. Even though he says the TV could, like, the TV could cost more lives. You know, even if the guy's crazy... Him saying something like that might register a little well, bit. Well, that was before Jeff found the TV. Yeah. And then Jeff finds the TV and doesn't put two and two together. Yeah, he takes it down from the attic, hooks it up in his, in his fucking bedroom. And unplugs the light to plug in the TV. Yeah. I wonder what, like, there was two things in the outlet. He unplugs the light. I mean, what was so important that it yeah, plug? Like, maybe it was his alarm clock and he didn't want to have to reset it. <laughs> because if there's, 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 one thing I just really don't like doing is watching TV in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's bad for your eyes, first of all. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just had to interject there a little bit. Okay, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, this guy through the TV, the garbage man, tries to warn Jeff that something has escaped. Yeah. And but there- Jeff just is a fucking idiot. This is the last you see of this garbage man, too. Yeah. <laughs> you think he's going to be killed? I'm like an important character. You're going to see him at least one more time. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, Jeff is high on the pot. 
when he's right. watching all this. So I guess maybe that's why he thought it was normal, but <laughs> but then he flushes his weed. Right. Which is like this super dark green yeah. wad. <laughs> like grass clippings. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know what they put in this stuff nowadays. Like, back then, probably like sticks. <laughs> rocks. Bark. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, then these zombies come back and, uh, uh, just, the zombies do some weird things. Like the one, the, the bride zombie that finds the wig and just puts it on. Yeah. What the hell is the point? I, t- I don't know. Which, which was your favorite zombie? Uh, probably the main one. Uh, the one in the suit? Yeah. See, I like the one with the plaid. With the pl- oh, the, yeah. He gets the iron in his head. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Um, the fedora zombie was stupid. I so didn't like the, him. So and, the and, flock of seagulls there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know um, why he was there. Yeah, I kept calling him Bowie zombie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, something like, you think a little deeper about that. He's got like that flock of seagulls hair. Yeah. 80s. Uh-huh. But the movie that was on the TV was clearly from, like, the 50s. Yeah. So, a little oversight there. True. Hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah, and then there was the bride zombie who put on the wig, and then was, she was playing with the blender, Yeah. and that was then her and the, the guy in the suit, the zombie in the suit, just start laughing yeah. about the blender. <laughs> I loved when the, the, the suit zombie put the guy's glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a lot of weird things. Like we we kind of mentioned before, the uh, zombie makeup was actually pretty good. Yeah, um, I feel like they may have <laughs> may have blown their budget on just the makeup. Yeah, because uh, that was really the only part. Of the they clearly didn't didn't use it on the actors. No, they certainly didn't. I almost this, like especially this guy Jeff is just awful. Uh huh. Um, I almost wonder if they just found like people they knew or something. <laughs> Went on Craigslist. Like, you guys want to be in a movie? Alright. Yeah, and then um, the Texan guy, I forgot his name already. Uh, uh, it was Joshua, Joshua something. Daniels. Yeah, he, like, he he knows, you know, he's he's the guy who knows everything. Right. And he says that these zombies <clears throat> just, they, they hate the one thing they can't be, and that's the living. Yeah. And that they thrive on fear. And if you don't show fear, they won't harm you. Yeah. And then he says that to kill them, you have to make them think they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Was this but, fucking plot written on a napkin? But then they do that, and it doesn't work. Yeah. So then he tells them that they have to trap them in a small area, and they'll eat themselves. <laughs> oh, my God. But the part, the thing that gets me is that he said that they, like, thrive on fear, but no one seems to be afraid of them. <laughs> like I was saying, you know, like, everyone reacts strangely. Yeah. And, um, you know, the the one guy whose glasses the zombie took, like, when he first encounters him, he's just kind of like, oh, oh, what's going on? Like, yeah. No one screams in this movie, like. Maybe they weren't being paid enough to scream. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Um, is there really anything else to this plot? 
I, I mean, the plot is paper thin. It, it almost feels like they were making it up as they were filming. Yeah. Like, okay, well, in this next scene, we find out the zombies don't like mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> because, because they're so ugly, they can't even stand to look at themselves. Right. What? Seriously, that's seriously what, what they say in the movie. Yeah. What the fuck? Who came up with that? It's, it's, and it, like I said, they keep just, like changing the way that the zombies have to be killed. It's like they were like, okay, well, let's say you have to make them think they're dead. Okay, we did that. Oh, the movie's only 70 minutes long. We need another 20 minutes. All <laughs> right, let's come up with something else. <laughs> um, like the, the part where Jeff is in the tree. Mm-hmm. He's like the bait. Yeah. And he's like, well, give me the chainsaw so I can fight him off. The chainsaw? Really? That's, that's your best weapon? <laughs> and of course that backfires. Of course. Um. Yeah, just poor decisions all around in this movie. Yeah, and just, I mean, I talked about Wrong Turn having plot holes. Oh, yeah. And just, just like, ones. impractical shit. Got plot black holes. <laughs> um, I, I mean, just everything, everything about this movie was bad. God but, damn it, Kevin. Yeah. God. I my fucking dad, too. He, he really fucked us on this. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like, god damn it. I just don't even know where to start. I'm just, I'm stressed out because I don't know what the worst part was. Yeah, um, cause really, really the only redeeming quality was that the makeup was decent. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can't say every part about it was bad. Um, Aside from the makeup, everything, everything was bad. Down, like we mentioned how the, the, the camera work was bad. I mean, it had these really, like I, like I mentioned, they had just really awkward angles and close-ups. And it seemed like almost like they were filming the camera, or filming the, um, the movie with one camera. Mm-hmm. Which on the obviously shoestring budget that this was, that's completely probable. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and just the acting was abysmal. Yep. There wasn't a single good actor in this. Yeah. They were all bad. Like, usually, when you got a movie with a Chocolate few... was good. What? Chocolate was good. Chocolate. It was very believable as a poodle. <laughs> right. There's, <laughs> <laughs> when, when you got a movie, with one or two bad actors, um, usually you can count on one or two good actors to kind of pick up the slack and make them look a little better. Right. Kind of like um, anything with John Travolta <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Nicolas Cage or Jack Black. <laughs> um, but this movie just didn't have that luxury. So yeah, they all everyone bad. is awful. Um, the storyline is awful. Yeah. Like I said, it, it just feels like they kept changing pace in the middle of the movie. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think all that I can really do is just to go through my notes here and pick out the particular things that I thought were stupid. Because that's what, I've got a page full of notes here. It's all stuff that I thought was dumb. <laughs> it's not even like insight on the film. It's just stupid shit that happened. Like, when he answers the door, like, when Jeff answers the door to Joshua, he tells this strange older man 
that it's him and his teenage, well, college age sister, like him and him a teenager and his college age sister, they're in the house alone and their parents are out of the country. Just tells the stranger that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I guess I talked about a lot of this already. Oh, and like, Je- there's a neighbor girl, April, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, that Jeff kind of makes makes friends with, and they're out looking for chocolate the poodle, and like she says, so what's it like living in the murder house? He says, murder house? What do you mean? Like, how do you move into a fucking house and not know that there was a murder there? Well, it is their parents' house, so the parents might know. What what sick parents wouldn't tell their kids that somebody died in their house? Maybe they didn't want to tell them until they got there. I don't know. That, Plot hole. Yeah, fucking bullshit is what it is. <laughs> um, let's see. i got to remember what this was. Oh, April. Like Jeff calls April to see if they, she wants to hang out. And... She says she can't, and then she immediately leads into the fact that her dad is sleeping with the maid. Yeah. It's like, okay. And then that's the end. Yeah. It's just well, like, no, oh, she, I can't hang out tonight. By the way, my dad's banging the maid. Okay, bye. Yeah, she said, my, my dad's sleeping with the maid. Isn't that weird? And then I think she, she says, or no, that, I'm sorry, this is something different. Um, but that was stupid, too. But, uh, and, like... That point in the the story is completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. They could have just made that character her mom, and it would have been the exact same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, as dumb as this was, and how just fucking stupid the story was, there's too much of it. <laughs> yeah. Strangely. Yeah. Um. Like you mentioned, like the garbage man. Like, in, when Jeff's talking to the girl on the TV, he comes up out of nowhere, slits her throat, and then tells Jeff what's going on. And he, what, he says, they look just like us on the outside, but inside they're different. Who the fuck is he talking about? Yeah. I thought this was a movie about zombies. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just blown away by <laughs> how bad this movie is. I'm almost wondering if this, Kevin, uh, if this is what he was expecting. He told me this was the first movie that he remembers really scaring him. You gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> of course, the first movie that just terrified me was Night of the Demon. Yeah, there you I go. saw how bad that was. I mean, he, I think he was probably like five or six when this movie came out. Uh-huh. So if he saw it then... I, I, I guess. Um... Like when 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 Jeff calls April, he says, Hi, it's me. And she says, Oh hey Jeff. And like, if I were to call my fiance on like a landline where there's no like caller ID, I said, Hey, it's me. It would probably like just because she knows my voice, she'd probably figure it out. But if like I was on a bad connection or something, she wouldn't know who me is. Yeah. So And these two just met. Yeah. And people sound different over the phone. Yeah. Just, I mean, that's just another thing. Uh, and he uses a phone book. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. He <laughs> busts out the white pages. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you saw one of those? A white pages? I don't even know. I, I, actually, I got, I got, uh, yellow pages delivered to my apartment. Like, they still do that? Apparently. I got one, um, was it a couple weeks ago? And you just threw it in the fireplace? It's, it's sitting next to our fireplace. Use <laughs> it for kindling. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Do you notice that Jeff wore that same shirt for like yeah. three days? Yeah, yeah. That was fucking gross. And it looked just dirty already. Yeah. Um, and it like had holes in it. And, yeah. But he's so punk rock. Yeah, and like April meets him and she like swoons. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the time, the passage of time in this was really inconsistent. Yeah. Like, I can remember when, uh, see, it's, uh, the zombies go into April's house and kill her parents, or kill her dad and the maid. Um, and then, like, he hear, they hear sirens from, from their house down at the end of the street coming from April's house. And it's daylight. When he's in the house, I mean, you can tell just from the light coming in. Seconds later, when he goes outside, it's like, looks like it might be like dusk. And by the time he runs down the street to her house, it's dark. <laughs> this is, who? <laughs> I mean, this, the sequence of events took probably all of like five minutes in the film. And you couldn't sync that up, so you're filming it at the same time of day. The director was just like, "Fuck it, I good just enough. Want to be done? We've been filming for six hours from this one goddamn scene. I wonder how many times they had to refilm scenes because these shitty actors kept like fucking up or forgetting their lines. <laughs> yeah, if this was the best take. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the mirrors. Okay. Why? It's, it was just another stupid additive to the story that didn't need to be there. Yeah, so, like, did you mention this? I can't remember. What? The, the, the whole thing about the mirrors. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so they, they can't stand to see themselves. Yeah, because they're so ugly. Just like a, if a living person looked at them. So? <laughs> they're fucking zombies. And, like, I don't know. It, it, and they it, like they cover the front door in mirrors. Yeah. And then at one point, one of the zombies has a stick, and he's like poking at the mirrors, trying to knock them down. Yeah. It's like for isn't. Well, you you said these these zombies weren't necessarily intelligent, but I I think they're at least a little bit intelligent. Like I said, they weren't intelligent, but they were thinking. Right. Instead of like you know going up and like pulling the mirrors down without actually looking at them, or not looking at them and opening the door. <laughs> No, he has to stand like three feet away and try to tear one down with a stick. Yeah. Ugh. A lot of stupid stuff. A lot of unnecessary stuff. And like when when Jeff like he takes the TV down to the basement because the garbage man, yeah, the garbage man tells him that he has to put a mirror over the front of the TV because that's the only way to keep them from coming out or something. Mm-hmm. Like puts one over the over the TV, but like a zombie starts coming out and he chops off its hand, and 
he puts it down the garbage disposal. Yeah. I don't think he, my garbage disposal got clogged up because my fiance put some cooked spaghetti noodles down it. How the fuck do you put a whole hand into a garbage disposal? Also, the hole is only about like two inches in diameter. Yeah. I don't think you could fit an entire hand down there. Uh. And what was with the fucking mist? That came out of the TV? No. That came from the fucking woods. Oh, uh, I... Like, I, it wasn't always there. Ambiance. Um, and it's like, it wasn't always there. It's like when it was dramatic, it was there. Of course. But it doesn't make any sense. That's how ambiance works. <laughs> Something like lighting, that's what you use for ambiance <laughs> in that kind of scene. Something deliberate and stupid, like f- fucking mist. No. It's a little too obvious. Yeah. And it's like, like I said, it wasn't, it was completely inconsistent. It's like sometimes you'd see the zombie in the woods, they'd be like they'd be walking after one of the characters. But then when like they were coming down on the house, like coming out of the woods and walking towards the house, then that's when the mist comes out. It's like because it's dramatic. It's in the middle of the day. You don't you don't get mist in the middle of the day. That doesn't happen. <laughs> uh I don't know. Let's wrap up this turd. Oh, I'm not done yet. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other thing, when he's, um, he's trying to run away, like, <clears throat> they finally call back Joshua Daniels, and, like, he's helping them very poorly to stop the, va- uh, not vampires, zombies, um, and, like, they go out into the woods, and they, s- they set a bear trap, and they have a bow and arrow, because that's practical. <laughs> He specifically says you can hurt them with things like guns, but they use a bow and arrow. Yeah. <laughs> Get a fucking gun. And while they're in the woods, he tells them to hang up these bells because the bells just start ringing whenever the zombies are near. Yeah. He even says, don't ask me how it works. <laughs> like, okay. There's a, like, that's how you got out of explaining it. Yeah. I'm saying, don't ask me, I don't know. Like, you couldn't just change that scene to have them, like, string the bells up along the ground, like a tripwire? Yeah. But no, you just have to have this mystical thing where the bells just ring for no reason when there's zombies around. Or, like, say it's something like fucking static electricity or something. Yeah, make something up. Yeah. It's like if it doesn't make any fucking sense, at least he doesn't seem lazy. Yeah. I mean, I just came up with that on the spot, (laughs) and it makes more sense than saying, oh, don't ask me. God damn it. Um, yeah, anyway, so they're setting up traps up in the woods to stop the zombies. They set down a bear trap. Well, just trying to get away, he forgets where he, where he laid the bear trap <laughs> and puts his foot in it and gets caught. And then he gets up and starts like hobbling away. But bear traps are designed to stop, to stop bears. Yeah, and when, like when he, he steps in it and it's, it's it's like it's a minor inconvenience. Yeah. He's like, oh, man. And he's just, like, trying to pry it open. Shucks. Uh, yeah. yeah, those things will, like, strip your leg down to the bone. If not, sever it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah. I was... 
Yeah, as you know, that he would not be putting any weight right on that. Um, and I guess the last thing was that the blood that they used a lot of looked like tomato sauce. Yeah, like it was just really thin, watery, and pulpy, and like bright red. <laughs> and most of it was from the zombies. Yeah, which is you know I don't want to go on too much of a diatribe here but zombies don't have a pumping heart so their blood is not going to be red and flowing yeah so we it's going to be black viscous thick grossness or or there's just going to be nothing yeah something that's often overlooked in zombie movies mhm all right so can we wrap this wrap this up now yeah i'm done talking about this done. fucking movie God damn it. So, since the makeup is not terrible, that gives it one point, so I'm giving it a two. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. It's right. the exact same reason. This movie is so fucking garbage. Like, I don't know, are we doing, like, a zero to ten, or is it just one to ten? I thought we were doing one to ten. Okay. In that case, yeah, I have to give it a two. I would give it a one if, if zero was on our scale. Because one was the only, like, makeup was the only redeeming quality. But this movie was utter shit. Pretty much, yeah. And I, I wish that I could make it disappear forever. <sighs> it stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Alright, so, on that note, we are going to head, going to go ahead and, uh, finish this off thank yep. you for listening yeah thanks guys um, sorry for getting so angry <laughs> yeah is this is uh, video dead was just one of the worst movies i've seen in a very long time i'm gonna see kevin on monday so i'm just gonna just punch him right in the dick good give him one for me too <laughs> tell him i'm very very disappointed <laughs> uh make sure you follow us on twitter go like our facebook page uh, go to our website, graveplotpodcast.com. Uh, thanks to everyone who nominated movies and who voted for those movies. Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate it. It's, uh, it's good to know that some of you are paying attention. <laughs> Word. Uh, anything else to add? Um, just, uh, like I said about Crypticon earlier, um, crypticonseattle.com. Uh, if you want to, Take a look at the makeup competition or the or the costume competition or the writing competition. It's all there for you. If you want to contact Rob, the, the coordinator, he is at Rob at Rob at CrypticonSeattle.com. Um and uh yeah, check all that out. Uh for all of you interested, it should be a fun time. And make sure you subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Did you say that already? I didn't. Oh, okay. I left that out. But now I said it. So, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Ta-ta, kids. <laughs>